everybody, welcome to episode number 155 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is January 8th, 2021. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is the Happy New Year, Jay Totoro. Where was that going? Oh my gosh. I'm not too sure. That's why it ended up so awkwardly. How are you doing, Jay? Uh, I'm doing good. I was expecting something big at the end. Like, you you set the stage and then just crushed it. Yeah. Um, My new strategy is to get far away when I yell like the beginning of the episode so i don't just make my microphone sad every time and then me too and our audience that's as well. true and everybody yeah, else good call. did it work i couldn't really tell because eh, i will tell you we'll take another time <laughs> oh, the time okay jay um i'm very happy to uh it's been a kind of a crazy week for everybody uh-huh. It's been a little stressful week for me. I was telling you, not not because of all the stuff that's been going on, but just for other kind of random reasons. And I'm very, very happy to be here to just hang out and talk about video games for a little bit once again. Heck yeah! This I think this week's probably been tough for everybody. It's the first week of the year. A lot of people are coming back from PTO. Oh man, it was a uh, it was definitely a longer longer week. Yeah. Sure. So did you have a good Christmas, New Year, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I did. it was it was still a little bit stressful. My my job was kind of crazy at the time, but uh, it was nice to see my family. You know, nice to trade gifts and all that stuff. So, and I and I did get to take some additional time off. So, nice. Uh, very much so enjoyed it. I'm sad it's over, but you know. What about you? Um, I mine was great. I spent some time. My uh, mom just moved to town a couple months or about a month ago. And she lives very close to me, so we got to spend Christmas with her, which is which is very uh, it's not something I got we've we've got to do with her for a very long time. My sister moved not to town but closer to us, and so she actually was here to see us on Christmas as well. That was very nice. Um, we've all been very careful about like social distancing and stuff, so we felt safe like seeing each other because we're all we're all very careful. We're like the only ones that hang out with the other person, so. Yep. Uh, so that was, I feel like we did everything safe as far as that goes. Uh, New Year's was good. It was quiet, but that's fine. I usually don't do a whole lot on, on New Year's Eve anyway. I can't, I have no complaints about about the holiday. Yeah, and as I told you a bit earlier, we went up to a cabin and we, meaning uh, me and some of my close friends, and we did something similar to what you were talking about. Most of the people we were with had either been tested prior to going. One of them had actually been vaccinated because they work in healthcare. And then um, we took, you know, we had very limited people that we interacted with prior to going. So uh, we spent three or four days just sitting in a cabin playing really overly complicated board games. And it was so it was something we were all looking forward to last year, uh, especially after how insane last year was. So yeah. I was happy that everybody got to go because we were concerned. Some of the people were driving from California, which California was on the verge of, of shutting down. And then uh, some of my friends here were around people that had COVID and I was just—it was just like so much stress building into it. I thought we for sure we're going to lose some people, and then ultimately everybody was able to go. So oh, that's I was really great. happy that it all worked out. Yeah, and uh, it was beautiful up north. So oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, super cold, but it was beautiful. I, I don't get to see snow very often, so um, that was a nice sight to see. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess I'm trying to remember if it snowed here last year. Usually in in Alabama, it snows like one exactly one day a year sometime in january pretty sure it did wow. last year i don't know if that's going to happen this year or not why why what 
why don't you think it's gonna rain oh because it's just, it just i don't know it doesn't hasn't really seemed like snowy weather like it definitely could i don't know what it's supposed to be like but it seems like it's been maybe a little bit too warm this time around okay uh but i'm not sure we'll see we'll see what happens uh you know how i you know i have a problem of uh my hobby is basically to collect more hobbies I think yeah, I was gonna say is what it's kind of come down to. Uh, over the break, I got my ham radio license. What for? <laughs> for the hell of it. Interesting. Um, I've been studying and, and reading it. Like, so there's to get your license, you basically have to read this book ca- called the ARRL Ham Radio License Manual. I don't even know how many pages it is because they don't number the page. The, the, the pages are numbered like nine dash two. They're just numbered by the chapter. So we're going to, I'm going to say roughly maybe 150 pages. Read this, kind of memorize all the technical information, all the ins and outs of, of a ham radio operation. And then you take a test. Um, tests have historically been in person, but obviously with everything going on there, uh, you can find places that offer them online now. And if you pass the test, then you get a then you get a amateur radio license. And I've kind of been like, it kind of started off with just like, what is this? Like, I don't, I didn't, and I still don't know a ton. I mean, I know obviously a good bit. Um, it started off with me just kind of being like, what is like, what is ham radio? Like, what is this even for? And then like, what can you like use it for? Why do people use it and all that kind of stuff? And that was kind of what got me started, just interested in learning like what and why. And then I was like, well, you know what? Might as well just go like <laughs> go all the way and get a license. So uh, so I did it. And so the, the whole reason I got it, to answer your question, kind of goes back to just figuring out what it's for in the first place. And uh, Travis from, from uh, Drunk Friend asked me the exact same thing on Twitter. He was like, oh, great. What's, what could you use that for? And I'm like, well, that was kind of the reason I did it in the first place. And basically, you can use it to talk to 60-year-old guys on the radio. And maybe sometimes help out in emergencies. Uh, Random. Yeah, kind of random. But anyway, I did that. Passed it. That was a good old time. Nice. And um, so that so there's another there's another potential hobby under the belt. Did you get any um any game any video game stuff for Christmas that we should talk about? Um. Not really. I got I got a good amount of like currency for the Nintendo store or for uh for like Steam or like a something like that. So yeah. no, nothing nothing specific and I haven't used any of them yet. Gotcha. Well, I got a, I got a 3DO which I'm very excited about. I was I was, I kind of didn't really know what I wanted to get for Christmas and usually it's like I don't even ask my wife. I don't even tell her what I want. Basically, I'm like, it's just going to be a lot of a lot easier if I order the stuff that I want. And uh, I was like, what? Sh-? You know what? I'm going to get a console of some sort. I, I and I decided that I wanted something like a little bit obscure and maybe like crappy, like or borderline crappy, <laughs> something that you can play like weird games on that you can't play on like a million other systems. And I've been wanting, it was, there are a couple such consoles that I've had my eyes on for a while. One was the 3DO. One is the Virtual Boy. Uh, one is the Atari Lynx, which actually is not a bad console. Uh, it's a hand, it's a handheld. It's not a bad console at all. It's just, 
it's just more like nobody had one pretty much. And also the Game Gear, which also wasn't a bad console. But I don't know if I had a ton of great games. And I was like, I just want something. I want one of these. And I, I put up a poll on Twitter. I was like, what, what, which one of these should I get? Like, not ne- I'm not necessarily going to do the winner. But what do you guys think? And, and actually, I think I'm pretty sure 3DO did get the most votes. And that was kind of what I was leaning toward anyways. And so I got a fucking Panasonic 3DO. We'll talk about it a little bit more when we get to games. I'm gonna go into Ooh. gonna go into a little detail on the 3DO uh, itself, and I'll talk about what I've been playing. But I'm gonna save that. I'm gonna make you guys edge for a little while, waiting for the uh, such a tease for the 3DO 3DO explosion, the reveal, the reveal. Yeah. So uh, quick. So quick uh, comment. I. It took me like a much longer than usual to write up my notes for this show, like just everything for like the games I played, for news and everything. So this could potentially be a long episode. I'm not 100 percent sure. So so strap in tight. And also, we do have to figure out game of the quarter this episode. <laughs> so we got game of the quarter up. We got a bunch of news. We got our games. We got a little bit of 3DO discussion. So uh, let's get rolling. Let's. There's anything else you want to talk about before we uh, jump into news? No, I'm good. All right, let's do it. All right, let's start off with the bad news, and then we'll get to good stuff. How, how's that sound? Like? This normally I like to save the bad things for last, but everything there's been a lot of negative stuff going on. So maybe let's get that That's out true. of the way, and then talk about fun things. Thank um, you. Okay, so the bad stuff there are two, and they're both related to CD Projekt. Uh-huh. Uh, only one of them is actually really neither of them actually are classic game related. So first off is cyberpunk. Again, this isn't classic gaming related at all, but it's just kind of one of those things that's like so off the wall notable that we should just talk about it anyways. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure you know pretty much everything that I do. Cyberpunk was released in December and Obviously, this game has been crazy hyped for a few years now, and uh, it's made by CD Projekt. They are, or it's CD. So CD Projekt is the kind of overarching company. CD Projekt Red is the development studio within CD Projekt. So obviously, they're famous for the Witcher games, which has a really, really strong following. When they revealed Cyberpunk several years back, everybody was just instantly hyped. So. This has been uh, one of the most anticipated games, like beyond even probably just this year. And so it came out and uh, had a major, uh, major fucking issues. I believe, and tell me if you know any more details than this. Mo- so it had problems on, on every platform, but it had the most major problems on consoles. Even the PS5. Uh, and the new Xbox, like, couldn't, like, they could run it, but it ran really, really shitty. Like, I saw videos where people would walk up to an NPC, and, like, the textures on the NPC were as if the textures were something way, way, way in the background that, you know, didn't have to be loaded in yet. And then they would stand there, and, like, 15 seconds later, the real textures would finally load in on the NPC. People were saying it's basically unplayable. Like it had not just kind of 
oh, this doesn't run great. It had glaring, obvious issues. People started complaining. And eventually it got so bad that Sony did something that they've never done with a game before. They pulled it from their digital store. Never have. Sony has never pulled, has never said, this game is not in a, in a condition to be sold on our store. We are taking it off. Sorry. That alone kind of tells you like just how like fucked this game was pretty much. Um, so, you know, everybody's angry about how poorly it performs and all that kind of stuff. And, and then for the people who it was playing for, it seems like it just really wasn't a, like, it was kind of a mediocre to good game to begin with. Like didn't, uh, hold up anywhere near the hype that it, that it had built up. So the game itself is just, you know, just kind of okay. And then it has major technical issues on consoles. Sony pulled it from their store. Kind of a, kind of a huge deal. Uh, and then that's kind of the, that's kind of the, 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 the peak of the story. But then they had like, uh, there, there was this article in Bloomberg that I was reading. Um, I think it was, I think this was published on this December 15th. The, uh, the article says that their stocks plummeted so badly that the, uh, like main invest the, the 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 primary stockholders of the company lost the, their their whole total stock pool lost a billion dollars worth of value. Jesus, I didn't hear about that. This it says the technical. This is on Bloomberg again. The technical glitches plaguing CD projects Cyberpunk 2077 game have cut more than one billion dollars off the wealth of the company's founders. Uh, CD project, CD project, CD project shares plunged by a third over the past six days, uh, as the number of bugs plaguing the highly anticipated futuristic game prompted an apology from the firm and an offer for refunds of gamers on previous generation consoles. Oh, also they had to have an emergency stockholder meeting because of how like, just like big of a shit show the game was. Um, so this is all, is there anything that I'm leaving out that you know of? No, just the refund portion, which you just went over. That was the thing I was going to say, because they offered refunds and I know a number of people that got them as well. Oh, do oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. It was, it, they, they, it was an exception to, it's like, even if you had played the game for a certain number of hours, I think it's like two, you could still refund it. Yeah. Um, oh, oh. And also now this is kind of a newer development. Some of the uh, some of their investors are suing CD CD Project, saying that they were misled over kind of like the state of the game and all this kind of stuff. Interesting. That's crazy. So they kind of uh, dropped the ball enormous. They didn't just drop the, the ball. They, they dropped the ball off of the Empire State Building onto like an elderly person's head. Interesting. Yeah, okay. I did. I did see a lot of that. It's crazy. It's nuts and very disappointing as well. Because I mean, they have they had quite a lot of goodwill built up. Um, they definitely did. Not that this necessarily wipes all that out, but it does make you very disappointed in them. 
It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Pretty like, bad. one thing to have a game that doesn't live up to expectations, but but to just release a broken game is something else entirely. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, this leads us to our second thing, which is not actually related to Cyberpunk in any way, but it is related to CD Projekt. So CD Projekt owns GOG. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, GOG, as we mentioned, kind of with CD Projekt in general, thankfully has a lot of goodwill built up. They're very uh, consumer friendly. They kind of tend to do right by, you know, people who like video games, people who want to play old video games, you know, with no any, they don't sell anything with any sort of DRM or anything like that. Um, they kind of uh, did some, sh- did some uh, shady stuff a few weeks ago. So I don't know if you remember this game. It's a Taiwanese game called Devotion. And it was on Steam for a while. And and uh, somebody figured out that something in it, there was some sort of reference hidden inside the game comparing the Chinese president or whatever his title is to Winnie the Pooh. You know, like that's that that's kind of the ongoing thing with, with him. And some and they had snuck something about that into this game, and it made a lot of Chinese people angry. And I think they I, I don't really know the full story of of the full chain of events, but it made a lot of Chinese players unhappy and the publisher of this game devotion ended up pulling it off of steam because of that. And everybody was kind of disappointed because, you know, obviously it's like, you know, we should be able to poke fun at authority figures without, you know, fear of anything. Retribution. Yeah. Yeah. But so that happened. Um, a few weeks ago, GOG on their Twitter announced, hey, we're selling Devotion now. Um, come, and, you know, come and get it. Everybody was kind of excited because this is this is the game that had been pulled off of Steam. Not by Steam, but by the publisher, but it, it was no longer on Steam. Some people wanted to see like what it was all about. Not even, I, I, think, I could be wrong on this. I believe it was 26 minutes later. Gog released a tweet that said, um, here's their tweet. Earlier today, it was announced that the game Devotion is coming to Gog. After receiving many messages from gamers, we have decided not to list the game in our store. So basically, it seems like they got pressured into just not into just not 100%. selling it. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, and, and obviously this rubs a lot of people the wrong way because they're kind of just bowing to pressure from, it seems like, you know, uh, some, it seems like the problem is, oh shit, we're not going to be able to sell, you know, we're going to get cut off from the Chinese market. So we have to do whatever we can to, to appease them and we're going to take it off. And then they didn't respond to anybody. They had thousands, just on this one tweet, thousands of responses saying like, you know, hey, what the hell? Nobody asked for you. We're not asking you to pull this game. Nobody said this. And just no response. Whatever, quote, messages from gamers they 
might have and probably did not actually get. Even if they did, it was not near the number of messages they got afterwards saying, hey, what the hell, please bring it back. We actually want to play. We actually want to see this game. So I think the problem is, first off, that they just caved in to political pressure um, or maybe not political pressure, but business pressure by, you know, of a political of a political uh, origin, but also that they tried playing it off and like, Oh, we're doing what the, we're doing what you guys want. A lot of game, many messages from gamers said that they didn't want us to sell this game. So we're just doing what you guys want. That to me was kind of the, uh, the part that takes it from just, Oh, this is really kind of shitty to, all right, now you're treating us like we're just idiots. Yeah, that's really bad. Um, and th- like that's not even how like how you would f- like it's it's it seems like the way it's worded, it's definitely comes across like uh, oh hey make sure you say it was from gamers that we got this, you know it's gamers that said we they don't want us playing this like we got to make sure to include that in there so people don't think it's because of this like. The, the the wording is just so awkward. After receiving many messages from gamers, we have decided not to list the game in our store. Like, hmm. I would have had a lot more respect for them if they had just said, hey, even if they didn't give us a reason, if they were like, hey, uh, sorry, we're not listing it anymore. Or like, you know, we can't discuss why or basically anything besides trying to say, oh, we're doing this for you guys. For you the know? gamers. Yeah, right, for the gamers. <laughs> Doing it for the fucking gamers, bro. And then, um, and then they didn't tweet anything for a couple days, which is very uncharacteristic of Gog. Um, there were a, a few tweets just related to, oh, hey, this uh, uh, cyberpunk <laughs> patches out. If you're having problems, download this. And every single one of them, everybody was like, but hey, did, did China approve this uh, cyberpunk patch? Are you sure it's okay? <laughs> There were like hundreds of responses for just the few tweets that they did have announcing cyberpunk patches, saying stuff like that, or posting pictures of Winnie the Pooh or, or doing, you know, any, any number of things like very few actually, actually saying anything about the patch just besides, are, are, are you sure this is okay with China to release a cyberpunk patch? So, um, yeah, that was a uh, super, super disappointing from a company that, like I, I'm kind of naive, and sometimes I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is, maybe this is a good company that actually is kind of like, maybe they'll actually do things on principle and not just based on money. You know, uh, that's that was idiotic of me. I think honestly, that's crazy, man. Like it's, it's really sad to see so many companies in the gaming industry just fold to to China for that reason. Yeah. It sucks, but um, they don't seem interested in addressing it. They haven't addressed it any more than just saying gamers asked them to take it off of their store. I mean, they they have two options. They either say nothing, which is what they're going to do, or they would have to openly admit that they did that based on pressure they were receiving mm-hmm. and then try to retroactively fix that. And it's like the amount of potential buyers they would lose would be extraordinary yeah i mean i guess i will give them credit for not you know digging their heels in and saying like no oh, yeah. it really was <laughs> well this was a while back i don't i, I we're, okay. we're far enough past i don't i don't think it's going to come back up 
at least they didn't like double down. I guess I can give them that much. Yeah. Um, but this is, uh, as I said, they had a lot of goodwill built up. This definitely took a chunk of that out. I'm not, oh, I'm not saying, sure. I'm not saying I'm going to stop buying from Gog, but I will tell you that I, I don't feel as inclined to 100% of the time buy from Gog instead of steam. Yep. If that's a possibility as I, as I had up until now pretty strongly felt. Yeah. Likewise. So that's, that's, that's the uh, CD Projekt Saga of the last month or so, I guess. Awesome Games Done Quick. Do they even call it Awesome Games Done Quick? Or they have they just gone to Games Done Quick now? Uh, I, th- I think they have like Summer Games Done Quick, and then they have Regular Games Done Quick, I think. Okay, I yeah, yeah. They have so I thought the... I'm pretty sure the Regular Games Done Quick used to be called Awesome Games Done quick oh no 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 they do call it that it says awesome games done quick 2021 yeah okay so anyway that's happening right now the speed run extravaganza i just pulled it up they're doing uh super mario sunshine right now that's going on this week it probably will be done i'm sure yeah i'm not going to get this episode posted by the time it's uh before it's over with so this will be finished but that's going on right now have you watched any of it it's always fun. I, I love it. these. I watched it. Yeah, I love it. I watched one earlier with this guy playing Mario 64 completely blindfolded. <laughs> and he got 16 stars and beat Bowser. I'm just like, I can't even beat that game that easily, like, with, with vision. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's crazy. I was watching, uh, I watched Final Fantasy VII for a little bit earlier. I mean, I've watched a bunch of it. I'm trying to just remember mm-hmm. most of it. Final Fantasy, that was a good one. Last night, they had, they had somebody doing uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which was a really fun one to watch. Oh, wow. Um... This is just, I, I just, I know I've said this before, but it, it is such a fun and nice thing just to have kind of playing in the background while you're doing other stuff. 100%. So that's going on right now. Right now they have, so this one is for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. They've raised $1,536,123 as of this exact second. Um, I'm sure they'll break the $2 million mark. I normally do. It usually picks up quite a bit in the last few days, so I don't think they'll have any trouble beating that. So uh, that's happening. The Game Awards happened. We talked briefly about our what we thought would win and this and that. I'm going to pull it up and, and not go over every single category, but I, I will just point out uh, some of the main ones, if that's all right with you, Jay. 100%. Let's see what we got. I'm going to start from the bottom where they have kind of the least. All right, I'm going to skip all. There's like a million esports ones. Um, unless there's any in that category that you're that you're interested, in, Jay, I'm going to skip those. No, not necessarily. Um, let's see. Best. All right, let's go with best multiplayer. Among Us won that. Not too surprising. Best sports slash racing game. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two, uh, the remake or the re kind of re. I think it's more of a remaster. Best sim slash strategy game, Microsoft Flight Simulator. I would have liked Crusader Kings 3 to win, but, I mean, Flight Simulator is a technical, uh, like, masterpiece, basically. So that's, it's super impressive. I'm, I'm not surprised. And, and, like, those aren't even two games that should be in the same category. That's kind of weird that they are. But, uh, okay, best family game, Animal Crossing. No surprise there. Best yep. fighting game, Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate. Best RPG, Final Fantasy VII Remake. That's pretty nice. Best action adventure, Last of Us Part Two. 
Best action game, Hades. I'm glad uh, that won something. That game is very good. Oh, have you played it? I played a little bit, but I've watched a ton. Okay, I just started playing it, and it is much better. Even like I had heard a lot of good things. For some reason, I didn't think I was gonna love it, but it is even. It's it's like I've even had a really good time with the music it. Music is so great. It, it pairs so well with what's going on. Oh man, I we'll, we'll talk. I'll talk about it a little bit more later, but uh, or I guess we can go and talk about it now. Now's a fine time. Um, to me, like so, obviously the gameplay is is fantastic. The art is beautiful. Yeah, it is. One of the things that I've been most impressed by is the voice acting. Mm, that's actually a good call. I didn't think about that. Not only is it just really, really well done, but it comes across as super genuine to me. Mm. When, uh, was Zagreus? That's his name, right? The, the main character. Uh, yes, I believe so. So he, so for, if you're unfamiliar with the game, it's the, it's a, uh, it's a run based game. And you are the son of Hades, who is the god of the underworld. It's based on Greek mythology. The whole game is. And you're basically trying to escape from the underworld. (coughs) As you're doing so, you get basically like power-ups along the way. They're called boons in the game. They give you different abilities or make you do better, you know, damage or any number of things. And these come from the other Greek gods who are who are above hate, who are not in the underworld, but they're, you know, up in heaven or wherever, whatever you call that in Greek mythology. And they're like handing you, they're, they're kind of like not handing you, but, uh, delivering these, these boons to you to help you out. And whenever you do, whenever they do, uh, you get to like talk to them for a second and the conversations that they have, like it really comes across like they genuinely want you to, uh, to make it out of there alive. And something that is like even comforting about the way that they talk to you is like, like Zeus will talk to you or Neptune and they'll be like, you know, Hey buddy, like we're, I just want you to know everybody up here is really rooting for you. I really hope that this can help you help you get out of there. And, and the guy doing Zagreus himself is also, also comes across very genuine, like, you know, thank you. This is, you know, I, I appreciate this more than, you know, and things like that. Like it really just comes across like everything is very heartfelt and uh very realistic sounding and, and just sounds great. Like I just love listening. Normally I don't care about dialogue uh, in games like this because it's not really consequential to the game itself, but I listen to it every time because they, they just did such a good job with it. The, the, the game itself is so good. It is. It's very fun to watch too, and I love I love the the semi roguelike aspects of it. Like just uh-huh. always, it's something different. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's something different all the time. If you run, you got to start all the way. Or if you die, if you die, you got to start all the way over. And the the what, what I I think one thing that held me back at first on this game is the art is so beautiful. I kind of was afraid that sometimes when art is really good, the mechanics aren't great because if you have great animations and great art and stuff, sometimes the snappiness of the game is, is not there as much, but it's kind of like you have to leave room for the art to be good enough. And so they have to slow some things down and it doesn't feel kind of like as responsive as you want it to be. But this game, maybe I'm just making that up and maybe that's just how I thought it would be. Maybe there's, I, I, I don't know too many examples. I can think of just kind of a handful of examples of games that were like that I've played that are like that. But this one does not fall into that trap whatsoever. It, everything feels super fast, super responsive, and also just looks amazing at the same time. Absolutely. So, I think it's a solid way to describe it. 
Yeah, I I just there's nothing like every aspect of this game is just done magnificently. All right, uh, best VR game, Half-Life Alex. best community support, Fall Guys, best mobile game, Among Us, best indie game, Hades. Uh, let's see, let's skip a few more. Best audio design, Last of Us Part Two. best score and music, Final Fantasy VII Remake, best art direction, Ghost of Tsushima, best narrative, Last of Us Part Two. best game direction, Last of Us Part Two. game of the year, Last of Us Part Two. Wow. So there's the game of the there's the game awards recap, and uh, a bunch of stuff was announced. So now we're getting now we're back to just good old classic gaming news. There was a bunch of stuff announced during the game awards. Uh, if I th- if I accidentally threw something in here that was announced outside of the game awards, forgive me. But I'm pretty sure all these things were game award announcements. All classic gaming related stuff. Sephiroth is in Super Smash Brothers now as a as a DLC. Mm-hmm. They announced Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection, which is a remake of Ghosts and Goblins. Art looks really good. That's all we really have seen. I mean, we, it's shown gameplay. It looks beautiful, but that's all we know so far. There's a new Perfect Dark game coming out. It's not a. Uh, it's not like you know a remaster of the original one. It's just a new entry in the Perfect Dark series. Uh, I don't think that any gameplay has been shown of this yet, so it's really nothing to say about it yet, just besides there's a new Perfect Dark game coming out. Uh, Capcom announced the Capcom Arcade Stadium. It's coming out in, in February, I believe. This is for Switch. So the Capcom Arcade Stadium, saw like the game itself is free, but it's kind of like you buy this, you, you, get the, you download this for free, and it's kind of like a platform to buy other games on. So it does come for free with it it does come with 1943 for free. That's a uh, one of those top down uh like World War II shoot 'em ups. Okay. And then so it comes with that for free, but then it's got a couple other bundles that you can buy for it of of just classic uh arcade games. Let me pull these up real quick. I believe there are three bundles. You can buy, you know, pick and choose which ones you want. But so bundle one comes with Volgus, <laughs> Commando, Pirate Ship Higemaru, 1942, Tatakai no Banka, Legendary Wings, Bionic Commando, Section Z, Forgotten Worlds, and Ghouls and Ghosts. The second bundle comes with Strider, Dynasty Wars, Final Fight, 1941, Senjo no Okami 2. Mega Twins, Carrier Airwing, Street Fighter II The World Warrior, Captain Commando, Varth Operation Thunderstorm. And the third comes with Warriors of Fate, Street Fighter II Hyper Fighting, Street Fighter II Turbo, Powered Gera Strategic Variant Armor Equipment, Cyberbots Full Metal Madness. That sounds familiar. Uh, 19XX, The War Against Destiny, Battle Circuit, Giga Wing, 1944, The Loop Master, and Pro Gear. Jeez. <laughs> A bunch of stuff that I haven't heard of. Oh, dude, Cyberbots, Full Metal Magnet, ma- uh, Magnets, <laughs> Full Metal Madness, looks kind of badass. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a robot fighting game. I'll give you a link. Please. 
Oops, I actually post almost posted in the wrong one. Well, just just, just Google it real quick. Cyberbots Full Metal Madness. I'm just looking at at screen at like just and do that and click on images. It looks pretty awesome. Anyway, What's the again? Cyberbots what? Cyberbots Full Metal Madness. Uh, I'm sure there's a, plenty of other good. I mean, I've heard of like probably 15 percent of of all the games I just read. Um, oh, interesting. Looks pretty sweet. I actually yeah, like. I may pick up a couple of one one or two of these <laughs> bundles. I want to play Cyberbots now. Jay, buy it for me. Okay, let me get right on that. Um, so that's actually a little bit more exciting than I originally thought. What else? What else came out? Um, do, do, do. Oh, okay, so that's all the new stuff that was announced uh, at Game Awards. That's classic gaming related. Another bit of news. Collection of Saga Final Fantasy Legend has been released. So these are the Game Boy games that were released uh, under the Final Fantasy name but they weren't really Final Fantasy games. They were games in the Saga series. That's the Final Fantasy Legend. Uh, I'm sorry, Final Fantasy Legend, Final Fantasy Legend 2, and Final Fantasy Legend 3. These uh, are these have been, these were all Game Boy games. They're out on Switch now. Then we got new classic games added to Switch, SNES, and NES Online, those libraries, which you get. So these are the games that you get for free uh, if you're a Switch Online subscriber. For Super Nintendo, they have added Donkey Kong Country 3, Dixie Kong's Double Trouble, The Ignition Factor, Super Valis 4, Tough Enough, and for NES, they've released Nightshade. Um, The Ignition Factor, I want to check this one out. It's supposed to be a pretty cool game, and it's it's it was released, I believe, in PAL regions only. But uh, it's it's like a you're a fireman running through burning buildings, like putting out fires. Basically, it looks it looks kind of interesting. I'm not too I don't remember too much about the others. I think Donkey Kong Three is supposed to be really good, and I don't and Tough Enough I think is kind of just blah. I I don't remember Nightshade or Super Valus Four. And then uh, finally, somebody discovered a cheat code to play as Akuma. In Street Fighter Alpha 2. <laughs> How? I don't know. It's just now been discovered. When uh, I want to see when this came out. When did Street Fighter Alpha 2 come out? 1996. Um, somebody was, I think, kind of reverse engineering the game or, 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 or something like that. And, uh, and discovered that there is a cheat code to play as Akuma. It's funny. So this is on eventhubs.com that I, that I read this news. Um, it's funny because they say it's actually fairly simple, but it the, it doesn't seem simple at all. Here's here's how you do it. The first step one needs to com- this is so th- this is a direct quote from their website. I'm just going to read the whole thing. The first step one needs to complete this process is to beat Alpha 2's arcade mode and receive a new number one high score. From there, enter, enter the initials K A J. When prompted to record the score, then head back to the title screen. A second controller is necessary to complete the next part. I love this. <laughs> you remember that sometimes when it's like, you need a second controller to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Player two needs to hold down L, X, Y, and start all together at the start screen while the first player navigates and selects versus mode. Of course, of course, of course. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. 
Once the character select screen is loaded, either player can pick Shin Akuma by simply holding start while choosing oh, a, a character. Akuma's gray gi will turn purple at the at the stage select screen if the I'm, I'm sorry. It's not just Akuma, it's Shin Akuma. I I I believe Akuma is already there, but this is like a special version of Akuma. So sorry, yeah, I I I missed that part. Akuma's gray gi will turn purple at the stage select screen if the code was successful, and then bam, you can now throw double air fireballs and do even more damage. Yeah, so this is definitely just a better version of Akuma. My bad. Uh, this process can be used in arcade mode, but the game bugs out somewhat. So that's how you play as a uh, Shin Akuma in Street oh, Fighter Alpha Two. Uh, they, I believe, the article I was reading speculated that this may have not actually meant. To have been, uh, they they might have not meant for this to be discovered, and it might have, might have just been a way for them to like test things in the game and debug things, uh, as you know, testing out Shin Akuma. But uh, that's kind of nuts. It's, it's it's so weird when people discover things about games that are so old that just you know, no, right? All right, Jay. Anything else before we uh? Before we talk about games, is there any other news that you want to bring up? Uh, one one brief non-classic related one. Um, I don't know if you saw Riot, Riot's numbers were released last year for their revenue. Mm-hmm. They generated $1.75 billion last <laughs> That's year. That's nuts. Like, it seems like, like they had a, I, I wouldn't say they were doing bad, but it seems like they had a, like a, obviously were doing really well for a while. And then it seems like they might've dipped for a little bit. And now it seems like they're coming back super strong. Is that accurate? Or is that just my impression? I, I don't know. It, it's hard to tell. And the crazy part is, is uh, they were seventh or eighth, I think on the list of, of uh, companies that generated the most revenue last year. Damn. I know. I'm just, or excuse me, of companies that are, that have a free to play game. Okay. They were seventh or eighth on the Gemini rank uh, revenue rankings. I'm just like, what? Wow. You know? Okay. Thank you for the uh, for the riot update, Jay. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to take a break. For, you know what? I'm going to talk about one game before I talk about 3DO. Then I'll take a break and let you go. I'm going to give my voice a rest, and then I'll go into 3DO stuff. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. So before I talk about 3DO, I'll talk about a game that, that I actually had played before the last episode, but I had too much stuff to talk about already, so I didn't bring it up. That is, I think you'll be happy to hear about this, Jay, Odin Sphere. Oh, cool. For PlayStation 2. Actually, Jay, did you know this didn't come out until 2007? Yeah, it was like a late it was like a late release, correct? Yeah, it was a, yeah. evidently a very late release and I didn't know that going into it, but um but I'm here to talk about it anyways. <laughs> uh so you talked about this game probably a year and a half years ago now, right? Yeah, a year and a half, two years, something like that. Yeah. And you made it sound really cool. And I remember looking at screenshots and being like, this game looks beautiful. I yeah. got to, I got to play this. And so, uh, and it's been, so it's been on my list for a while. And I was finally like, you know what? You know what? I think, I'm, yeah, I think I'm going to do it. So I played Odin Sphere. It's a side scrolling 2d action game. It's based in a fantasy setting. You start off playing as a Valkyrie who is a girl with a spear basically like a soldier for her kingdom her dad is the king i don't even remember too much about the story outside of that and you're walking around uh 2d as i said 2d side scrolling levels killing bad guys and 
the 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 thing that still stands out the most to me is just how beautiful the art on this game is. Yeah. The backgrounds, the, like the environments, the levels, the characters, the bad guys, the bosses especially. They all like you just you got to just google this game if if you're not familiar with it and just look at how awesome this looks. It's one of the maybe probably the best looking PlayStation 2 game out of all of them in my opinion. I can't think of any that come close. No, neither can I at least offhand. Um so the way that the game is the way that the levels are laid out Typically, there's like a little bit of story, and then you go into a series of of levels, and so there you so you see this big map, and it kind of shows you how the levels are linked to one to one another. Obviously, you start off on one, and the way the levels themselves are, the way they kind of exist is they are loops. So you run far enough in one direction, and you end up back where you started. It's pretty much how it is. And the game very much embraces this idea of it being a loop because even the mini-map, you have a mini-map for the level that you're on in the bottom corner of the screen, and even that is just a little ring in the corner of the of the screen. It shows you where you are on the ring and where exits are to go to another level, you know, up in this direction or, or another level up in that direction. And levels, I'd say, I'd say maybe you you run... 30, 45 seconds in one direction, and then that's and that's about how far it is till you've looped back around. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think it's about right. Something maybe maybe I might be off a little bit, but roughly something like that. And so you go to you go to one level on the map, and there might be some bad guys, and you got to kill them, and then just move on. And then you go and you decide where you want to go next, and, and it'll show you like, oh, there there are some bad guys here, or there's a store here you can go to on the overall map. And you choose which exit you go to, you know, depending on which next level you want to go to. And then it's kind of the same thing. And then some of them have kind of mini bosses. And then some of them have like the boss for the whole entire like section of the world that you're in. And uh, of course, it's got a boss there. Then it's just it's harder. And sometimes there will be bad guys and a boss there. And the, the combat is so you have a spear and it's pretty the, the combat is pretty straightforward. You can just hit people with your spear. You can hit, you can do like I think you can combo up to 3 or 4 hits in a row. And then you can also just jump and you have this kind of like a double jump but it's more like instead of double jumping you sort of fly and it just makes you kind of glide for a really long time before you hit before you hit the ground. And the 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 bosses are usually like enormous. So the, so the bad guys that you might see are frogs that jump at you and, and maybe poison you, or I don't know what else is there, Jay. There are, there are somewhere where there's like bears. Um, I didn't remember to be honest. It's been so long. Yeah. And then the, the bosses are usually just gigantic, just absolute beasts, especially like some of the, uh, some of the main character bosses, like, there's this one guy who's supposed to be kind of the uh, the the strongest warrior in your kingdom that that serves your king, but he's like he really doesn't even like the king. He's like you know he's kind of like I just do whatever I want. Who cares? To, you know I don't I don't care too much about what the king says. Yeah, sure I fight for him, but you know I, I'm I'm not really that interested. I kind of just do whatever I want. The guy is 
gigantic. It's 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 really cool like how enormous they make some of the characters compared to like the regular characters. And it's like just a mountain of muscles basically. He's literally 10 times bigger than a regular character is in the game. And uh, he's a boss that you have to fight eventually. And so with with the combat, you all you can do basically is walk up and hit people. You do have a couple special moves that you have to build up for and then you can release and you can do a thing like launch a tornado at people that's kind of a ranged attack uh and things like that but but your basic move is is just a, it's just a basic kind of swipe with your spear just get more it's more like a sword attack you just swing your spear and what what caught me off guard was how careful you have to be just in basic combat my instinct in games like this is to run up start swinging as much as i can and just do as much damage as possible, and then maybe jump back. But this one, you really, really have to time things carefully and play very defensively, or else you do not last long at all. There are a lot of like, <laughs> there are a lot of bad guys where I learned you really just have to go up, swipe them once, and then back off. Wait for an opening, run up, hit them again, and back off. Not even boss, not even just bosses, but just regular bad guys, or else you hit them once and they'll like jump out and hit you. And that, and, and like one hit does a fair amount of damage. It's just a game where you really don't want to be taking hits very often at all. Um, so combat is much more nuanced than I expected it to be. And, and it's, I'd say it's impressively nuanced for how basic your attacks are for just having, you know, pretty much a swing attack and a few other things. They did a good job of making you actually have to, uh, have to like think about combat and have to kind of strategize how you're going to come up and, and attack these bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then there are other mechanics as well besides just the combat. So there are, uh, there are souls first off. And when you kill a bad guy souls, these kind of like just glowing things float out and you have to hold R and your character does this thing where they kind of hover in the air and it's, it, it gradually sucks all the souls to, to you. And that levels up, not necess- not you, but specifically your weapon. And it just, over time, you level up your weapon, and at different levels, just your weapon does more damage. But you have to be really careful when you do this move to suck up the souls, because you're, vulner- you're definitely vulnerable while you're doing that. So even that alone, you have to kind of wait till you're in a safe spot. And uh, maybe there aren't a bunch of bad guys nearby, or maybe you've killed some and you're waiting for some more to spawn. Then you want to suck up souls, and you might not even get all of them, and then go on and fight some more and try to get the rest later. Uh... So there's that. There's also uh, food. So you get the, some of the things that you, some of like the things that you pick up while you play. Some some stuff you get while you're in a level. Some stuff you get kind of as rewards after level. You get food. You get potions. Uh, you also get gold. And there are, I think, maybe a couple other things. But obviously gold you use to buy stuff at stores. And you can buy items that, you know, make you do more damage or give you more experience or, you know, give you a little bit more health. Things like that. Food replenishes your health. But what's interesting about food is that not only does it have a value for how much health it replenishes, it also has a value for how much HP experience you get. So your your HP bar itself basically gets its own set of experience points and different types of food feed it more uh feed it a different like you know number of experience points when you eat that food so you might have a piece of like like a ham or something like that and that might give you 100 hit points and 20 
HP experience points, for instance. Some of them might be, oh, it only gives you five hit points, but it gives you a bunch of HP experience points. And as you level that up, that just makes your max uh, HP go up. So it's kind of a, it's not really a system that I had seen before where eating food not only gives you more health, but it over time gives you the capacity for, for even more health. Then there are, so there's potions, which I'll talk about in a second. There are also seeds that you get. And and this is a whole another system and it's on its own. You get seeds that you can plant when you're in a level. And over time, some, some, some seeds feed off of souls and some seeds just gradually grow on their own over time. But usually kind of the standard thing is when you plant a seed, then it says, okay, once this little sproutling that comes out absorbs maybe 12 souls, then it will release more food. It'll, it'll release, you know, some of this certain type of food. So what you're doing when you do that is you're saying, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm not worried about leveling up my attacks right now. I don't care about taking the souls for myself to do that. I want this plant to grow so it can give me some more food. So you kind of let the souls go to that plant instead of sucking them up yourself when you kill guys. If, if you've planted such a plant in this level. And then when it does, then it then it blooms and it blossoms and it may, might drop, you know, three, I don't know, like uh, raspberries or something like that, which which all give you good HP. It's kind of it's, it's a really unique system that gives you a reward, but you, you kind of have to like plan out when you want to do it. And you know you're not going to get it till you know at least halfway or maybe towards the end of a level, but you're kind of planning ahead by saying, "All right, I'm going to I want to plant this seed now." There's another system as well, which is an alchemy system. This is kind of a combination of the potions I talked about that you get and seeds. So the potions themselves, they they don't actually do anything. You just get potions that are numbered, and if you take a number one potion then uh, it doesn't it doesn't do anything. It doesn't give you any health or anything like that. No matter what, it might be one through nine or even higher uh, or zero. It doesn't do anything on its own. Over time, you learn recipes. And it might say, okay, if you have one potion, combine it with a carrot. And it'll give you, you know, an antidote, which is, you know, what you use to fight uh, poison. Or if you have a number, or if you, you can use two number zero potions and a onion, and it'll do this. And so you're saving your potions, saving this these vegetables and stuff that you can pick up throughout levels to make different, uh, you know, things, to, to make other, like, actual potions that will, that will do things for you. But on top of that, you can even combine different numbered potions together. And what that does, whenever you combine two numbered potions, like say you have a potion, a two potion and a three potion, if you combine those, it multiplies them and you get whatever that is. So it, it would turn those two into a number six potion. So you could use that on something else, or you can do this as many times as you want. If you have two number sixes, then it turns into a 36. And what that does is it counts as a six potion, but the more numbers you have in the tens place, those start giving you experience points of their own when you, when you, uh, I forgot. If, is it when you create them or when you actually consume them? Jay, do you remember? I think it I might barely be, remember them, to be honest with you. Okay. I think it might be when you create them, it goes ahead and gives you a bunch of, uh, Oh no. Okay. It's when you, 
So, so say you've created a 36 potion. It's when you actually use that to make a usable potion. So when you finally combine that to with, with a carrot or whatever, then it gives you a bunch of experience on top of whatever normal potion it would be. So say you had a 36 potion. If the, if, if the recipe for, I don't know, like uh, temporary invincibility, I don't even remember if that's one, but say that is supposed to be a six potion combined with a piece of lettuce. Then if you have a 36 instead, it counts as a six. And then for the three, then you get just get a bunch of experience points. Uh, and then if the higher the number in the tens place is, you get more experience points. So if you have an 86, it'll give you the same potion again, but it'll give you even more experience points with it. So like, it's kind of crazy how many different, like they, they do a lot. The, the, the combat on its own is really good and really fun. But they do a lot on top of it to make the game kind of more interesting. And you can kind of think about, you can kind of play how you differently based on, oh, I want to focus on creating this type of potion or that, or I want to use these seeds for this. Or there are some seeds like that you might use in a potion instead of planting them. There's, there, it gives you a lot of options on how you want to play um, without having to really make a, a combat system that has too many buttons or is kind of too just bogged down in, in different options. They they just really made the game interesting with all this stuff. That being said, I suck at this game. <laughs> like I found this game to be pretty hard. I was reading online. It is very difficult. Okay, is it difficult for you too? Because I was I swear, yeah. I was like, I wonder if I should play on normal or hard. And I looked it up, and everywhere I read, people were saying, "Oh no, it's it's easy. Play on hard, and it's not even that hard on hard." So that was what I did, and I was just getting my ass kicked. And I switched it down to normal, and I it was still a very challenging game for me. So it was I take it so as you said it was for you too. Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. How far did you get on this Jay when you played it? I don't even remember now. So I was trying to think of. I actually don't even remember anymore. Okay, so I, I pick this up again. <laughs> Am I making you want to play it now? Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. It's a great game. It is a great game. I will say it is definitely a great game. I got about six or seven hours in and then I just kind of got tired. I just, I, I only have so much uh, patience for purely action games. And so I kind of was like, you know what? This is a really good game, but I've kind of had enough. And I'm ready to move on. I did not even realize till later. There are four other main characters that you eventually play as. I don't remember if I did. I think I did. Cause I remember one of them, I believe is an archer. Oh, that sounds cool. I could see that. I would not be surprised whatsoever because they're because like the way some of the forest levels are, it seems like Archer would be perfect for some of those. Like at least it was ranged. Let me see if I can find it. Thematically. Um, and, and I do remember seeing one other character and, it, and it, when I saw her, I was like, you know, this looks like something that somebody that you would potentially play as eventually. But I didn't know that for sure. And then I kind of forgot about it until I was reading about it. I was like looking up some of the details afterward. I was like, holy shit, you play as other people? Because I played for a good bit and didn't even get to the second person. Again, part of that's probably just because I'm not that good and it took me a long time to, to get not too far. Yeah, it is. I'm surprised that people say to turn up the difficulty because it was, I play, I believe I played on hard and I had a lot of trouble with it. Yeah. Same here. But anyway, fantastic game. Definitely, I, I really recommend basically everybody check this out uh and it's it is a beautiful game as well 
Yeah, I love one of my favorite visuals in, the, in that game is when you are talking to like the the guys you ultimately fight, like the super big gods and stuff. They're so massive. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love that too. And like the king is just gigantic. I told, yeah. I mentioned that one who's kind of like the head, like main warrior of the kingdom. Like that guy is gigantic too. Yeah, there, it's 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 real. The art on on those guys is really cool. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna take a break for my voice. Uh, so Jay, why don't Finally. you take over? Huh? Finally. Why don't you take over for a little bit? I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, so for this episode of the podcast, I, I did forgot to mention this before too. So I'm watching a lot of of gaming Jay and, and uh, Snatch Drunk's content on YouTube. Oh, awesome! And there is like it's uh, Alex has been going off with these all these different. Um, I guess I guess it's kind of like a, a series within his channel about the these different mods that exist within a lot of uh, obviously Super Nintendo games, where people have either modded like randomizers into it, or people have modded like different characters you can play and just different play or different um, just different playable content and stuff. I didn't play anything as of right now, but I just want to bring it up. I wanted to mention that before because I just didn't realize how big the modding community was for classic games. I knew it existed. And I knew people had created like randomizers, which are really cool because that generated like randomizer runs. Uh, and everything in between there. So I just want to kind of shout that out because I think that's it's crazy how many how much time people spend actually developing like completely new aspects of old games and spending hours and hours and hours. I just can't even imagine being that dedicated to something like that. So yeah, uh, it, it is. It's crazy. And yeah, and I'm kind of like you. I I didn't know if if it weren't for watching uh, Alex's stuff, I would not have known the extent of it either. Yeah, it kind of took me by surprise. I knew it existed, but it's not not to the extent that it actually is today. Exactly. Yeah, same here. Uh, so when I played for the podcast, I guess that was sort of the lead into saying I played a Super Nintendo game. But I actually played more a, a more nostalgic game than I have in a long time, like a game that was that was primarily driven by nostalgia. That turned out to be a pretty solid game, um, and that is uh, the Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse for the Super Nintendo. This is not the the remake version because I didn't realize they actually did a remake for this for Game Boy Advance. Um, have you have you ever played this game? I'm sorry, which one was it? The Magical Quest with Mickey Mouse. It's for no. Super Nintendo. It's like an action. It's like a platformer. No. Okay. Uh, this is a game. So this game came out in 1992 for the original, and then they re-released it for the Game Boy Advance in 2002. Um, they added some additional levels and characters you can play through because it was funny because I played through the game a decent amount. I got like almost, I almost got three fourths of the way done with the game, and I was reading online and people were like, "Oh yeah, you can play as like three or four different characters." And I'm like, "Wait, how long is this game?" And then I read online that they ultimately remade it, which is when they added the new ones in. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of threw me off. I was like, am I? Like, I thought it was decently far in because I had spent a good amount of time just replaying levels, trying to get better at them so that I could make progress in the actual game. And I was like, if there is another... Because essentially, I played through three full levels and then I was thinking there's one more level. Or excuse me, I read there's one more level. And I was like, is there 12 more levels after that for each of the three characters? But uh, definitely not the case, which is good. <laughs> uh, so the underlying story is very simple. Essentially, Mickey Mouse is trying to find Pluto and he he continuously fights... Oh, what is the guy's name? The bad it's a repetitive bad guy in different forms, which has to make fun his name. Uh, where, oh Pete. It's Pete. Uh which is if you don't know oh, who it is, right, I'll, I'll show right. you a quick okay. I, I didn't I I've heard the name, but it's like it's not something that I knew off like, offhand. The second I heard it, I was like, Oh, I know who that is, but yeah, I, yeah. I just I don't know why I couldn't put put a, a name to the face. So 
Um, essentially, the idea of the game is you're playing through different levels and you battle him over and over and over at boss fights where he's in different shapes and form. So he's like the so, boss of every level? Yeah, he's essentially the boss of every level <laughs> okay. in different forms. At least the first three levels, it was that was the case. So I don't know about the fourth level, though. Um, so I played this game mostly driven by nostalgia initially because I had rented this game a number of times and played this at people's houses and stuff, but I never really got a chance to sit down and actually play it. And I got to say, I, I thought I was going to play this for like, you know, 30, 40 minutes, get bored of it, and then ultimately just stop playing it. It's it's pretty fun. It's it's a decent oh, wow. platformer. There's, so, there's some decent mechanics to it. The boss fights aren't overly repetitive. There's obviously some very similar elements to it, but it's not... It's, it doesn't necessarily get boring. Um, there are a couple of gimmicky things that made me like it a lot less and almost quit a few times, and I'll talk about that. Uh, but overall, it's it's a pretty solid game with some pretty cool mechanics. And one of the key ones, and I'll talk about this, is is the outfit switching. So um, essentially, this you have your, your typical platform. The the uh, music is really good. It it's not really good. It's good. I would say it's it's better than you'd expect for a generic platformer. And, and that's actually something I want to mention specifically. You know, usually when you have, I guess it's called licensed games, correct, Robert? When you you basically take, you know, a big brand and make a game out of it. Yeah, yeah. Is that the correct terminology? So generally, when you when you play licensed games, um, not not generally, but there there are a number of them that are not that great. Like it feels like they're just doing it to try and uh, use the name of the actual license. Oh to try yeah, and oh, no, definitely. That's, that's that's a big. That's very common. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was my concern going into this. And it this really seemed like somebody put a lot of time and effort into trying be being relatively creative. Like it makes me wonder that the people who developed this had something in mind. It didn't have to necessarily be Mickey Mickey Mouse, but they essentially were like, well, I want to develop a platformer, I want to put these mechanics in it, and then they just got the opportunity to do it with Mickey Mouse and probably made a lot of money because of it. That, that's what it feels like to me. It actually feels like a pretty solid game wearing a Mickey Mouse shell, right? Because like when I when you first look at the game, it's very childish. It's obviously very very kiddish, but the actual uh, gameplay of it's kind of it, it's pretty good. Sure. So it, it's it surprised me in that regard. Um, the music's pretty good. It, it's it's better than you'd expect for for a, a generic platformer. Um, the tracks are are they're not super long, but they're longer than you'd expect. When I when I play like old school platformers, I expect some sort of like eight to ten second loop of music, and this one wasn't as bad. It it definitely had a a pretty consistent uh, loop that was like maybe 30, 40 seconds, and it did well. It well it didn't feel like you at the end of it, it just would recycle and just recycle, and you get bored and bored and bored of it and also the levels the music changed quite a bit between levels just obviously based on the visual elements uh which was which was pretty cool hmm. uh so the first couple levels the or excuse me the basic mechanics of the game are um you can obviously jump to hurt enemies you can uh pick up objects including these floating blocks that you'll see throughout the levels and then there are certain objects that have special mechanics to it so the first one is I don't know what kind of uh, what kind of vegetable it is but it's essentially hanging on these giant vines that look like something of uh what is the fee five oh fum? What are the, what is that from? What is the name of that story? I don't know. Oh, come on, Robert. Um, All I know is like the little rhyme. Jack and the Beanstalk. Thank you, Lisa. Oh, I knew Lisa yeah. Way, way back on the difference. Uh, so you have these vines that look like Jack and the Beanstalk in, in the background. And there's these, these. I, I guess I'm assuming they're vegetables. They could be fruits as well. And you can essentially pick them up, and then when you let them go, they they spin very quick and and go uh, vertical. So they Are go they straight just up. Beans? Are they like green beans? No, no, they're like red, almost looks like a radish or like a heart shape. They 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 don't look like they they might be a specific thing. Maybe I'm just missing it, but graphically, I did I didn't really get okay. a chance, or I didn't really understand what it was. Yeah. Uh, so when you release them, they spin very quickly and they go vertically, and you can actually jump and grab onto them and ride them up temporarily until they expire, and then 
they pop. And what this, what, the reason I bring this up is this mechanic opens up a lot of, not, it, it, I would say hidden areas, right? So there's certain items you can find by doing that. And if you do it in specific locations, you get access to certain things. And as well, in one of the levels in particular, you can actually do it to go up into the sky. And there's just clouds where you can skip majority of level just by uh, jumping on these clouds. Now, if you miss one, which I definitely did, uh, you will fall and there's a good chance you'll die because you'll hit a pit that you just can't miss no matter what you do. Um, so that was one of the first mechanics. There's also, you can collect coins, which I don't believe the coins do anything other than generate points. There are points, you know, it's it, it, in that regard. So there's a couple of different ways to get points. It's like jumping on monsters, collecting coins. And then I think there's one other way as well, but it's something, something pretty basic. Uh, so the grab mechanic, you can grab these blocks. Some of them do respawn as well. And you can also, uh, use the blocks to hit enemies. And one of the things I, I learned, um, towards the end was you can actually jump on the monster's head because the monsters generally take two hits to die. And after you jump on their head, they become dazed. You can actually pick them up and then throw them horizontally and they spin very quickly and, and knock uh, enemies down, which is kind of cool. It's actually a nice mechanic because you can basically grab a monster, hold on to it. And then as soon as you're ready, you can let go as you're running. Uh, like if you're heading across the map just to clear the way and obviously not get hit again. Okay. You have a life bar of three on normal. If you play on easy, you have five stars. And I, I don't know how many you have on hard because I didn't even try. I played a normal at first and then I switched to easy because I just wanted to progress through it. Sure. And having the extra hearts gave me uh, the ability to not be punished as hard because some of the mechanics throughout the levels weren't, uh, they, they were some of those mechanics where you had to learn or you had to, you had to get hit by something where something comes out of nowhere and there's no way you can dodge unless you know it's there, that, that type of mechanic. So um, I just wanted to stop dying because of, of that specific thing, because you only have two lives to start with. And after you die with both lives and you have to restart that specific level. And or I guess, I don't know if I want to call it a level or a world, like the level, excuse me, there's like four levels within a world. And then there's four worlds in total. It, it's something to that extent. It's like there's three or four levels, I want to say, in the first world. Mm -hmm. And then I think there were three in the second one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then the last one, I think, also had three. So, something to that extent there was like three or four individual levels some of them blended very closely together there wasn't a massive difference so it felt like one long level but i, I think it was something to that extent um and then one of the primary interesting mechanics and this is where the game this is where it kind of took me by surprise after you kill the first boss uh which was pretty straightforward you just had to basically jump on his head or shoot a block in his face over and over and over nothing too crazy uh, the mechanics of the boss were were pretty um, enjoyable. Like it wasn't anything super super complicated, but there was definitely some timing to avoid getting hit. And then after you kill the first boss, you get your first outfit. And there's a total of I think there's a total of four outfits. Um, I got two of them, so I think there's I think there's three total actually, because I got two two outfits in addition to the base one. So the base one is just your your typical Mickey Mouse uniform. You can use it to basically pick up blocks and throw them. The second one is a is a magician's outfit and it has a sort of mana bar that you, you use and you can shoot uh horizontal bolts and you can charge them up and fire them as well. And this was this was the real kind of turning point for me mentally cuz I was like this really surprised me. I, I don't know why but this mechanic cuz you can essentially switch between the different outfits that you get and use them throughout the different levels based on the need of it. Now, I will say the magician's very strong because the excess mana you, or the, the mana you have allows you to kill mobs very easily and avoid taking damage. Um, but obviously, you do need the ability to grab blocks at certain instances as well. Huh. Um, yeah, it really took me a surprise. And yeah. here, here's the best part. So if you think the original one is Mickey Mouse in terms of your outfit, the second one's a magician's outfit, what would the third one be? Uh, it's consistent with the theme. Come on. Okay, hold on. Give me, give me a second. 
Uh, uh, I don't. I can, Come I can't, on, Robert. I can't, it's a fireman. Come on, Robert. It's, I, it's so obvious. It's oh. just out there. <laughs> okay, fireman. Okay, yeah, fireman Mickey. Yeah. So the the third world is this fire world, and it, it starts with. I was gonna, it starts I was, with. For the record, I was gonna guess it was like a black and white version of Mickey. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good guess. Yeah, no, uh, Fireman was was their answer to that. So the third level starts as, a, as an uh, elevator level. So it's basically just scrolling down and you're just dodging mechanics. Now, I will say it, 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 there's nothing super crazy about the elevator portion of it until you get to the end, because it goes from being this very narrow elevator that's going down and you're basically trying to dodge, dodge objects, excuse me, and spikes to not take damage. When you get towards the bottom, it expands horizontally all the way across the screen. So it goes from being this vertical, just consistent, you're just along for the ride to you sprinting to the right before this elevator comes back, comes down all the way, which it, it's visually kind of cool. It, it was surprising to me that, <laughs> that they took that kind of approach to it. Yeah, and yeah. it was the first time I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's, it was actually kind of scary because I was like, oh, I need to get across the screen very quickly. And I just wasn't <laughs> anticipating it. You know, at the end of an elevator portion like that, you get off and then you go back to the normal platforming, but they, they took a little bit of an ec extra detour approach, which uh, I definitely appreciated. I, I will say the third world is my favorite. They, it's a fire world. That's why you get the fireman suit and the fireman obviously has a fireman hose and it has the mana allows you to shoot the hose, um, which has a multitude of impacts throughout the level. You can use it to free certain objects or, or basically make them stationary so you can jump on them. You can also defeat enemies with the fire hose and you can also move blocks, these very large blocks that you can't otherwise move. And so these mechanics, in addition to using the Magician's outfit and the base uh, outfit, allow you to progress through the level. There's some pretty visually appealing areas of the third world. There are these firewalls that come from above, basically above your character and start coming down and you have to dodge them or run across the screen very quickly. And it's visually, it, it's pretty darn cool. It surprised me, especially for this game, that they went that route. It, it, it was very well done though. I thought the third world in particular was kind of cool. It was very constant too, because in a lot of cases you're running from something or trying to avoid something. So the third world was was more exciting because you're basically running across the screen for the most part. And then obviously trying to be very precise with your timing. Whereas the first two worlds, you were able to take your time and be very cautious to work your way through it slowly. So it's a nice little uh, a change of pace. And so the third boss is actually where I stopped, or the third world boss, because there are many bosses within the worlds as well. Oh, okay. But the third world boss is where I ended up getting, where I ended up stopping. The boss wasn't anything super difficult. I just got there with not a lot of lives left. I think I was not, or I'm not a lot of health left rather. So I got really frustrated because I kept getting to him pretty low, and then I would just get hit once or twice and die. Oh, that um, sucks. Which there was one more world that I can get to do, and I actually don't know what the outfit was. Let me see. So we got firefighter Mickey. Uh, the fourth level of the game, mountain climbing gear, shocker, and you get a grappling hook. This is not a joke. Like it, it's it's so <laughs> surprising. Stuff, yeah, yeah. It, it just it it doesn't align in my mind with what make you have. Like I would think like I don't know maybe like a fisherman's outfit. I don't even know where I would go with going from <laughs> traditional to to magician to what. You know, you, your guess is as good as mine, but yeah. it's nowhere near fire. Maybe a spaceman. Oh, that's a good one. one. Yeah, I could see that. Um. Yeah, I think that's primarily it. So overall, this game's pretty fun. It, it really surprised me when I, when I first started playing. I definitely got some some of that nostalgia because uh, I I had rented this game a number of times or played it at my friend's house a number of times, and I never really got super far into it. I can never stay committed to platformers growing up very much, yeah. especially ones that were more punishing than others. I, I will say there were a couple of instant death parts that I really didn't appreciate. The game was 
for for a while i got stuck at a couple areas because there was like this very large body of water and i'm like okay how do i jump across this so i was like trying to find ways to like bounce off platforms or get some sort of elevation to get to go over it and then i landed in the water and i'm like oh you don't just instantly die from the water you can actually just just swim through it now i will say i did drown at one part when i fell in the water and i couldn't understand how you like how are you able to tell if you're running out of breath I died oh, once really? to it, and then the second time I like stood in the water to see if there was, you know, some sort of bubble icon or like a countdown anywhere. I couldn't find anything that that gave me a visual to let me know if I was drowning. So I just obviously avoided staying underwater for. Oh, that's weird. You know, more than a second. Usually, or two. some sort. Of, did, did you have? There's no change in the sound or anything like that either. Don't you dare! Don't even bring <laughs> no, it up. Not, no, just, there was I... no change in the music. There was no <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. Stop. Okay. Just stop there. All right. I knew you were gonna bring that up. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, um, this is a very fun game. It, it really did take me by surprise. I like the mechanics of the outfits. That I mean, that that's the primary focal point of why I think think this game is 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 strong. Because I mean, you can change the outfit anytime. It's not like you you start the level and pick your outfit and go. It is you are able to change it whenever oh, you I, need to. I'm sorry, I missed that. Yeah, so so I, I will say that is pretty cool about it. But the only downside of that is the level you generally obtain the suit from the the two levels that I played is generally the suit you need for that world. Now, there are some exceptions, and you can do certain things. Uh, you, there are certain uses for the other outfits, but primarily you're using the one you got from that world, I would say, like, 70, 80, 70 to 80% of the time. Okay. So, I mean, I, like like you said, it kind of sounds like it's surprisingly... It's kind of a sleeper. Not too bad. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, you don't see it coming. Like, when the, when I got to the outfits parts, I was like, what? Like, I don't remember this. Um, I, one of the things I want to talk about, too, is, is the sound effects. The sound effects were good. They are Not they were good. They were just... They were just there. Like they, they didn't stick out to me too much, but they weren't awful, right? But there were a couple key sound effects that I don't know what happened, but so a lot of the bosses had some sort of um sound effect that they did, you know, when they were attacking or when they came at you. And for some reason, the quality or the sound quality of those specific uh voices was awful. It was like extremely low quality or obnoxiously loud. Like the first boss, it sounded like somebody had recorded it with one of those old school headsets from like 2002 <laughs> that was really, you know, those really skinny ones that had the wires hanging off. Like it was like one of those ones where if you blow into it, everybody goes deaf in, in voice. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just. It sounded pretty rough, but the rest of the sound effects were fine. So I don't know why <laughs> that specific thing. They were like, "Yeah, we're just gonna do this." That's uh, really random. That just has these weird, bad audio things. Yeah, it took me by surprise for sure. So does Pete wear like different outfits when you fight him, or is it just regular Pete every time? Or is it like, oh, no, now you gotta he... fight pirate Pete. He changes into different like animal monsters. Like the second level, he's a big spider. In the first one, oh, I think okay. he was some kind of like snake-looking thing. And so he, like the third transforms. One, yeah, he like transforms into <laughs> different things, and it's it's funny because he still has his god awful chin and face on everything to make sure you know that it's him. <laughs> That's Pretty great. Good. That's great. Okay, so Mickey, uh, sorry, Mickey, the magical quest starring Mickey Mouse, right? There it is. Nice. Okay. You got anything else? Nope. That's all I got. Okay. Go back, backtrack a little bit back to Rob's games then. So as I mentioned, I got a 3DO for Christmas. Actually, it didn't arrive till after Christmas thanks to the U.S. Post Office, but it got here eventually. The 3DO came out in 1993. And so as I've mentioned before, I actually had one of these when I was little. And I didn't, I didn't know this at the time, 
but I guess I just must have been a spoiled brat or something because I didn't learn until years later that the 3DO cost $700 when it came out. Oh my, in 1993? In 1993. Holy shit. It retailed for $699. Why? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I think... So, it was a pretty advanced console for the time. Um, I guess that's... Okay. It? Um, I don't really know the, the details of why it had to be so expensive, other than it was, you know, a pretty impressive console, technically speaking. Uh, so, like, I got this for Christmas one year. I'm pretty sure this was, like, basically all I got besides this and a couple games for it. So... Maybe I wasn't super spoiled, but evidently I was at least somewhat, and I just didn't know it. But, so I got this, and I had a few games for it. I had Need for Speed. I had a game called Twisted, the game show. I may have had John Madden Football for it. I'm not 100% sure on that one. Um, I had this game called Gritters, which is kind of like a, well... I actually got Gritters. Now I'm going to talk about it at some time, so I, I won't get into much now. But it's it's kind of vaguely, vaguely, vaguely similar to that game that you told me about on P. I think PS One called Intelligent Cube. Oh yeah. Um, think about think of that. Like that's the closest thing that I okay. can think of. Um, and I'm not sure that may have been all I had for it. Actually, I, I'm sure I got something else over time, but. That was pretty much it. I never ended up getting a ton of games for it. Um, as everybody knows, it, it kind of failed as a console. Primarily, I, I think the consensus is because people simply didn't have the money to buy this. Or, you know, they had the money to buy it, but they didn't want to spend every bit of the free of the spare money they had. They didn't want to save up for this. You know, there are, you could buy... There are plenty of other great consoles with tons of awesome games at the time that you could buy and not shell out $700 for this. So that was the that was its problem primarily was that it was just so fucking expensive. Uh, it is a CD-ROM based console and it uh it it makes heavy use of FMV, full live action full motion video sequences. Uh-oh. So it's just <laughs> so it's just like it's very similar to the Sega CD in that sense. It's a CD-based console. Heavy use of FMV came out roughly the same time. Um, so that's that's what a lot of people end up comparing it to. Uh, so I got this for Christmas this year because I wanted to revisit it. Mostly just to play like weird, obscure games that you can't play on other, on other consoles. Also to play uh, Plumbers Don't Wear Ties, which I, oh. I will go ahead and say I did not. I have not yet. I don't have it, but I will eventually. Excuse me. I will eventually. I promise. Um, But so just for the console itself, before I get into any of, the, any of the specific games, I am actually very impressed with the 3DO so far. The, the graphics honestly are really good for a console that came out in 1993. I mean, and again, you would expect that based on it being a CD, a CD based console and mm-hmm. just how expensive it was. But like, I'm talking some of the graphics on, on, on the little bit that I've played so far, like at times the graphics have been better than some PlayStation one games. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm not saying it's more powerful overall than the PlayStation One, but I but just for example, one of the games that I'm going to talk about in a minute was uh, Need for Speed. The graphic I have played P- PlayStation One racing games with graphics that are not as good as Need for Speed on 3DO. It kind of blew me away. And the console itself is like super well built. The LEDs on this thing are like still very bright and clear. Um, I've had no technical issues with it whatsoever. It is, uh, I, I'm just honestly, like I said, just super impressed with it overall so far. Wow. Uh, surprisingly impressed. Like I thought this was going to be like, oh yeah, let's (laughs) play these weird ass games and stuff. But honestly, it's a good console. And one thing that's also neat is the cord length on the controllers, I swear, is 50% longer than other console controllers. Really good cord length. Uh, One thing that you may remember about, uh, like, even if you haven't played it, you've probably heard of this. One funny thing about the controllers on this game is there's only one controller port on the console. And to play multiplayer games, you plug the second controller into the first. You daisy chain the controllers. Interesting. To play multiplayer games. So every controller has a, another controller port on the top of it, close to where like that own controller's that cord is. That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you plug controllers into other controllers. That sounds awful. <laughs> to do it. it's So I played one game with my daughter just for a short period of time, just to kind of see how it went. And the bad thing about it is not so much. So as I said, the the cords are very long. So there was no problem whatsoever. We weren't like pulling on each other's cords, but everything just gets tangled so easily that way. (laughs) Even like before we started playing, I almost had to untangle them just like handing them to her (laughs) because they start because like you're just like, oh, if you plugged it in this way and then you pull the cord certain way, oh, you're already, you might already be wrapping, starting to wrap over the cord. So they do get, they, they, it does seem like they would tangle easily, but and obviously it's a very weird, weird thing. But for the short time that I've actually used this, it hasn't actually been a problem. So, you know, for whatever it's worth. Mm-hmm. So the two games that I've played so far are Road and Track presents Need for Speed. Well, I'll, I'll well, let's let's tackle them one at a time. The first game that I played was Road and Track presents Need for Speed. This is the original Need for Speed game. Um, so yeah, the, the the first Need for Speed game came out on 3DO. <laughs> and uh, that's and I, I was thinking to myself, like, oh, I remember having this, but it must have been on other things too. I think they later eventually might have ported it to something else. But for a while, this was the only console that Need for Speed was on, which is not in itself... Very interesting, but the fact that Need for Speed actually became a big, uh, you know, a fairly big franchise, but it's but it started off on the 3DO. That 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 to me is kind of surprising. This was a, uh, so yeah, I'm pretty sure this was a launch game, and uh, it's very heavily. Well, okay, I, I say very heavily. No, I, I, let me take that back. It has a lot of FMV sequences, and and it's typically between races. <laughs> you get like the most ultimate '90s FMV video game guy, just about that you can imagine. I'm gonna just play a quick clip. Jay, go uh, here, check out this video, and go to 
three minutes and 35 seconds to get to, to see the guy. This So there's a guy that talks to you like at the beginning of the game and he talks to you between races. And I'm going to just do uh, play it uh, over the audio here for uh, our listeners real quick if I can find the right spot. He is... Uh, this guy is committed to the role. I will say that. Ultimate 90s guy... Here, here's here's a quick audio clip of him talking to you after a race. Whoa! Red lining all the way and making it pay. You got yourself the best time, pal. <laughs> did, you, did you see it? Yeah, did you watch the one at six minutes? Six minutes? No, let's do it. Hold on. Yeah, do that one too. Okay. Does it start at like 5.50? It's like five, maybe five fifty, five fifty five. Okay, yeah. okay. Let's see. I see you're a sucker for a man in uniform. Well, guess what? Where you're going, you'll be surrounded by them. See you down the river, Romeo. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, you like a man in uniform, Robert? <laughs> I do, I do. There's one super random one. Let me see. Where he like has a British accent. What? Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's in this video. Anyway, uh, so like if you could see this guy, like he belongs on Friends or something like that, as like a background character. Um, so there's this guy that talks to you in between races, but the 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 basis the 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 basis the like the the premise of the game is just like you racing against this guy and just like i i think if i remember correctly or based on the the need for speed games that i've played the the need for speed games in general are you kind of racing on actual roads where there are you know just regular drivers as well it's it's not a track you know it's not like uh, you're on a racetrack with just other race cars, it's you're racing in places where there are uh, people just driving normally, but you're but you just happen to be racing through. It is you against this one guy every time. There are uh, I think seven or eight cars, ranging from a Mazda to Ferrari to Lamborghini. So there's a big variety. Now I couldn't tell very much difference between the way the cars handle or even their speed, honestly. Um, but supposedly they really had a lot of experts like input on make this car handle a little bit more like this or that and, and have this car feel this or that way. So like, I think they did do a lot to make this one more sim like than a lot of the, uh, more simulation like than a lot of the later need for speed games. But for me playing it, I, I didn't really feel that they, they all felt pretty much the same to me. Um, Mo- on most of the, I-, I call them tracks, even though I said they're, they're, you're just on the road. On, on most of the races that you do, uh, it's just it's primarily long straightaways with just some occasional turns. So it's not it's nothing like you know Gran Turismo where you constantly have to be braking just right and that kind of stuff. It it's it's kind of the, it seems like the premise of this game, and this is kind of how I remember playing it when I was little is not so much to have a complicated racing game, but just to have a cool game where you get to drive awesome cars that you might really think are cool. Like, you know, real life cars that you might want to drive 
and just kind of see how fast you can go for a while in these cars. And that, I think, was kind of the joy of it. It was getting like, oh, dude, I got to drive a Lamborghini. I got up to 180 miles an hour going down these streets. Like, that was kind of enough at the time. So it's not like a complex test of skill. It's just having fun, seeing how fast you can go driving cool cars. Okay. When I was little, this game was pretty hard for me. But playing it now, I it was it's really not a difficult game. Uh, I think probably I think my problem probably was as it is for for most I think uh, most younger kids playing racing games is when you're a kid playing a racing game, you know there's you don't think there's ever a reason not just to hold on to the gas constantly, 100%. right? <laughs> like why would I why would I let go of the gas button in a racing game? I need to see how fa- I need to go as fast as possible. I think that was probably the problem because playing it now, I I played through. So there are three different kind of uh, locales, and there are I think what was it three races between uh, three races uh, within each of these. Maybe I feel like maybe there were even just two on one of them. But but let's say maybe let's say three overall, three races within three locales. So there are nine total races, give or take. Each of them takes about five minutes, and I did all of them except for maybe one. I got first place, like well, first place. I beat the one other guy on my first try. Okay, so definitely not a hard game. Um, yeah, I think there was one that I had a little bit of trouble on because I like maybe got into a wreck or something like that, and he zoomed past me and I couldn't catch back up. But overall, pretty easy game. I and and that's kind of the problem with it is. Within 45 minutes, I basically saw just about everything the game had to offer. You know, I could have gone back and tried a different car. Maybe try to go get a best time or something like that. You know, when when you're younger and you have this and maybe just a couple other games, that stuff, you know, was it was people had more fun trying to beat their fastest times and stuff back in 1993 when you didn't have a million Steam games in your library that you wanted to get to and things like that. But, you know, obviously nowadays that doesn't really do as much for, for most people playing games. So, as I said, there are other cars I could have checked out. And <clears throat> I did that somewhat, but they but I they really didn't feel too different to me. So, overall, this is a good game. As I mentioned earlier, the graphics really seem slightly better than some PlayStation 1 games. I mean, look at, like, just back in our chat where I posted this video. Jay, it's got a picture, like a screenshot of some gameplay footage. Like, would you agree that looks better than some PlayStation 1 racing games? Oh, for sure. So, like, that kind of blew me away on its own. Like, I, I was super impressed with the graphics. The 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 FMV actor guy <laughs> was super fun to watch in between races. So, and and it wasn't boring to do the races, even though they were kind of easy. So, yeah, not a bad game, but, but it doesn't have a ton of content. Uh, so that's Need for Speed. And then the other game I played was Twisted the Game Show. Man, this is a weird-ass game. And and it was pretty much exactly what I remembered it. I Because I remembered it being a weird-ass game. So the premise of this game is it's just a game show. And you're, you play uh, as a contestant on the game show. It is multiplayer only. So you can't do, you know, you versus... AI characters. It's just you versus whoever. If you don't have somebody to play with, then you just got to control two people, which you can do because only one person ever does something at a time. 
So you, you can even play with just one controller and just pass it back and forth uh, if you don't have a second one. So uh, multiplayer game only. You're on a game show. And like basically the, the what they say is the uh, kind of like you're sucked into the TV on this game show and whoever gets whoever wins gets to go back into the real world. <laughs> okay. And, it, and this game is 100% full motion video. All of the characters, the host, basically everything that happens is all done with, with live actors. And the whole thing is just super bizarre and weird. And not in like a cool, like, not in a cool kind of way. But like in a really just weird kind of like almost like I got to take a shower after I play this game. It's not because it's bad. Not there's like anything objectionable. In, well, a, a little bit, but not like <laughs> nothing super objectionable in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just is the characters are so weird. They're they're not likable or anything like like. So I got as I said, I got my daughter to play this with me for about for about 15 minutes. And she picked a character. <laughs> There's one guy who has a dog. And of course that was who she wanted to be. And he just, you know, he's on the game show and he's carrying his dog around with him the whole time. And he's a used car salesman wearing this like pink suit. And the guy is just absolutely coked up in every scene. What? And I was a Pez dispenser named Uncle Fez. Who is basically a caricature of an Indian person, like not Native American, but actually India Indian. Okay. Imagine kind of like Apu, except he's a Pez dispenser and he wears a Fez hat and that's why his name is Uncle Fez. And he even like shoots candy out of his throat like a Pez dispenser does sometimes. There's another guy who is a uh, a televangelist type guy. There's a fortune telling lady. There's this one girl that's dressed up in in like really weird looking kind of uh, military gear. And I think there might be one other person, uh, but I don't remember. But. The, the car salesman guy is just yelling frantically anytime he's doing anything. And uh, the Pez guy is just talking like a stare, like a caricature of an Indian person. That's, that's the part that I was, that I backed myself. I backed up a little when I said, there's nothing objectionable. This guy could definitely be viewed as a, as a racist character, as kind of a racist portrayal of a, of a character, but all the characters are just so, awkward like the guy the oh there i think one of the guy is kind of an elvis not an elvis impersonator but somebody who looks very uh influenced by elvis and uh the the host says things like just dumb things like there's there's one of the things that can happen to you so so the game the way the game show works is there are these steps kind of going to the top you you hit, you see this screen where there are these uh, squares highlighting numbers. You press A at any point, and the squares freeze, and whatever numbers they they uh, stop on, it adds them up, and you move that many square. You move up that many steps, 
And whoever gets the to the top first wins. And there are 90 steps or something like that. Well, so when you land on certain squares, and some of the square, most of the squares that you land on are, you have to do some sort of, uh, you have to do some sort of challenge. And when you do a challenge, a little grid comes up and there are nine slots. The other person, the other player picks which row and you pick which column, but you don't know which row the other person picked. So it's just kind of like, uh, you're trying a little bit of psychology going on. You're thinking, Oh, I bet they picked this row. So I'm going to try to pick an easy or, you know, an easy challenge, uh, in, in the right column on that one. But what it comes down to is eventually you pick one of the squares in that column. Most of them are challenges, but sometimes there are things like you have to switch switch places with the other character. Or there's one that just make that just gives the character a bomb and blows them up, but not, but like more in a cartoon way than uh like not like actually blood and guts, but it's like, "Oh, he got blown up by a bomb. I guess he just loses his turn." But when this happens, so when the the used car salesman gets the bomb, for instance, he's holding the bomb. And as I said, this, this actor was just like coked out of his mind the whole time. He starts yelling at his dog to run away. He starts going, run, Otis, run, Otis, run, Otis, run, run, run. And then he just like screams for a minute and then the bomb goes up. And then the, the just to get time to kind of give you an, an idea of the of the host, he, he just says lame stuff like uh, when this when the bomb goes off, he goes, that's got to hurt. You know, just like really dumb stuff like that. Uh, and, and like, that's the game. When you do challenges, they're not very good. Most of them are, there's like a memory game where you got to, you know, flip stuff over and remember what something looks like. There's another memory game. That's just the same, except it's, it's portraits of American presidents and they each make a strange noise whenever you pick one and you just have to match the noises. There's, there's a kind of puzzle where there's a picture and you just got to edit, but it's all broken into tiles and you got to line them upright to make the right picture. There's another memory game. There are a couple of different trivia games and that's it. And it takes like 30 minutes to play a full game, but there's not enough variety within the game to make it fun on top of like the characters are not likable. They are just very, very bizarre. And again, not bizarre in a funny way, but just bizarre in like a who thought of this type way. You know, it is uh, not, it's not a fun game. It's not a good game. It's just a super bizarre game. Just look up Twisted the Game Show on YouTube and watch five minutes of it. And, and you have basically experienced the game. The gameplay itself isn't good. 90% of the game is just uh, watching the characters act insane. And then that's that's pretty much all there is to it. After we played it for 15 minutes, I could tell she was just dreading every minute. I was like... That's all it took. <laughs> I was like, do you want to be done? And she, without hesitation, said, yeah. And I was like, all right, you go on. And then I, I just finished that one game just to kind of see what happens at the end of a... Of a, of a game of it and uh yeah i'm i'm definitely done with it too it's it's just not it's not it's not a good game unique pretty quick it's unique for sure but i have no desire to play it anymore oh and, and in between so every once in a while the host will say like all right we got to go to commercial break and then there's you know 15 seconds of commercials 
which are equally bizarre. A lot of the times the the commercials have characters from the game like the, like there's a commercial of the used car sales guy uh you know trying to do a commercial for his for his used car place and those are always weird. It's just uh there's one for a divorce attorney or something like that that was just equally as bizarre as everything else. It is just a uh, a weird a super weird game. It sounds like it. Yeah. Well, it definitely is. All right. Um and I guess that's all yeah, I've I, that's all I've got for this time. Um and that and that's all I've played so far for the 3D. Oh, oh, one thing I forgot to mention is a huge shout out to Jeff. Our listener Jeffrey. He uh after I mentioned well, I, I, evidently he saw me mentioned on Twitter that I did, had decided to get a 3DO. And a few days after Christmas, uh, a randomly, a copy of Wing Commander 3 for 3DO arrived uh, at my house. And that was, that was, that was, uh, Jeff that was ordered very it. Nice of him. It was super nice. He ordered it from me off of eBay. And Jeff, I have, I have started playing Wing Commander 3. I'm not going to spoil my thoughts on it yet, but uh, I'm, I'm very close to finishing it actually. And so uh, we'll definitely be talking about Wing Commander 3 for 3DO on the next episode. But just to recap, as I said, I'm, I'm this is kind of the happiest that I've been with like a not super awesome, you know, the Super Nintendo and stuff like that. You can't beat that. But outside of some of those obvious consoles, this is like one of the I've really enjoyed playing the 3DO despite, you know, Twisted not being good. Need for Speed being, you know, pretty good overall. Like, I'm I'm very pleasantly surprised with the, with the 3DO in general. Yeah, it sounds like it, and it's a lot less expensive now than it used to be. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, sorry. There's one more thing that I meant to mention about Need for Speed. There are cops. Sorry, I just saw this in my notes. But it's almost impossible to get caught by a cop, and if you do, all that happens is it shows you getting a ticket. And then you go on. I think if you get caught like three times or something like that, then you ha- get a game over. But um, I actually had to try to get caught by the police. And one time, not even one time, even trying to get caught, I didn't get caught because they somehow just never showed up to catch me. So, uh, yeah, super random note that I just realized I left out there. There are cops, but they're basically inconsequential. I need for speed. Just like real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Jay. Let's do you want to talk? Let's why don't we talk about game of the quarter before we go on to top fives? Okay. Uh, so, okay. So it's my turn this time around. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have, usually I have a pretty good idea of, of what I want to do for the game of the quarter. This time it took me a little bit of thought, but I think I have a general idea and I'm going to let, I'm going to narrow it down and, and let you pick out of a, out of a few things. But before I do so, is it, are you going to be angry if I do, uh, if we do a point and click adventure game? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> are you sure? You hesitated. Yeah. Well, I just had to think of it for a second. No, I don't think so. Okay. So what I thought is it's been a little while since I've played one and, and I would really like you to play one because have you even ever played a point? Well, no, you did. You did quest for glory, didn't you? Uh, is that King's Quest? No. What did we play Quest for Glory? Is that the name I think we did Quest for Glory as Game of the Quarter a while back. It was it's kind of an RPG slash yeah yeah yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so you play that. Have you ever played any other point and clicks besides that? Uh, I don't think so. I'm trying to think of any other ones that I've played. I don't believe so. Maybe other than Mist. Oh, okay. So yeah, Mist is a little okay. Yeah, Mist is definitely a point and click. Not a, de- certainly not a traditional one, but it is. I kind of want to just get your thoughts on another point and click game. If you're if you're down with it, and I was also I also realized I haven't done one in a while. So if it's okay with you, let's do a point and click adventure game. Okay. All right. I've got three. And unless there are any off the top of your head that you're like, oh, I've had this one on my radar for a long time. I've got three ideas. Okay. Uh, one is we could just do Monkey Island, the greatest one of them all. Another idea is we could do, so I'm on my FMV game kick right now. So naturally the, uh, the first one of those that comes to mind in the point and click adventure realm is Phantasmagoria. It's a horror. It's a Sierra point and click. It's, as I said, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's FMV based. Unlike most of their other games, uh, even just the characters walking around are, are real, you know, uh, characters on fake backgrounds walking around. Uh, it is pretty heavy on the horror elements or there's blade runner, which is supposed to be a fantastic point and click adventure game. I never played it. It has been kind of unavailable for a long time and Gog released it finally about a year ago or a little more than a year ago. Do any of those, do any of those sound good to you? I'd probably most down to play Monkey Island just to actually play it since I've heard you talk about it for 10 years now. Okay, well, I want, I want it, since I'm kind of forcing you to play a genre that's out of your norm that yeah. I know you don't have a ton of interest in, I kind of wanted you to, to have the final say on which one of those we pick. So if Monkey Island sounds best to you, why, let's, let's go with that. So do you think that's what, what you would prefer? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's do Monkey Island then. This I'm super excited about this, and this will well, it's no longer the 30th anniversary, but now it's the 31st anniversary of Monkey Island, so we're just a little bit behind. Um, I did talk about Monkey Island during the first year of the podcast. It's probably time for me to revisit it again, anyways. So, um, and I I, I would really love to hear your thoughts. You know, whether you like it or not, I, I'm I'm interested to hear what you think about it, especially as someone who never played it, uh, you know, back when it originally came out and, you know, it was just a, just blew everybody's minds. Um, okay. So let's do it. Monkey, the secret of monkey Island, the original monkey Island is what our game of the quarter is. We will be talking about this game sometime around the end of, uh, March. So, uh, if you're unfamiliar with Game of the Quarter, if you're a new listener, this is one that we kind of decide ahead of time. Jay and I both play it, and, and all of our listeners are invited to also play it and write in their thoughts uh, when it comes time. We'll let you guys know ahead of time, uh, you know, which episode is going to be on and, and when we're going to be recording that, so you can get your thoughts in on time on that if you want to. But uh, regardless, Jay and I will both be playing that. So, Monkey Island it is. I'm excited. Okay, now it's time for our New Year's resolution games for 2021. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so re- before we get into those, let's let's revisit last year's New Year's resolutions and see how we did. You ready? You ready for this? Okay. Yep. I went back and listened to these this morning. So I'll go back and forth between... Well, no, I'll just do all of ours in a row. So, Jay, yours 
where your first one was at least one fighting game and one sports game. I don't think you did either. I don't think you did either. either those. Yeah, I was going to say. Okay. Your next one was more GameCube games. Did you do I think that? I definitely did that this year. I'm pretty sure at least. What I game? Would... Do you know which ones you I... did? Like... So my lost my one. I didn't lose my one note. I can't get into my one note, which is where I keep all my, my notes of the podcast. So I don't have the list of the games I played from last year, but I thought I played quite a few GameCube games last year. You, you may have. I really don't. Actually, I have your list. I said it. You yeah you've got your list in our uh, I think in our Discord history yeah 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 just scroll yeah on you and my Discord like our personal message yeah 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 let's see what let's see. we got um Dynasty Warriors Samurai Warriors no, no. no, no, no. Pokemon Stadium no. is that no that's that's in sixty four that's sixty four beautiful Joe that beautiful was on Joe. GameCube yeah uh, maybe not maybe, maybe I didn't, didn't play do many. too much okay was Warrior Warrior is that GameCube or is that WarioWare Inc. No, no that's Game Boy Advance. Yeah. No, I guess I didn't. Think okay, so it was just the one which was for Beautiful Joe. So maybe not on that one. Okay. Your next one was Final Fantasy VII. I th- that, did you play? You played a little bit of that, right? Uh, I played a lot of nine. I played one. I don't think I played. Did you not play seven? seven? Maybe no, that was before. Okay. Yeah, because I've played it before for the podcast, or at least talked about, it, obviously, numerous times in the podcast. Okay. Your next one was. A Fire Emblem game. That didn't happen. No, and your last one was... We have a list of things that I didn't do. That's what, <laughs> that's what I'm hearing so far. Hey, your last one was Odin Sphere. <laughs> oh, was it really? Man, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, you just took that up for me in 2021. I took it up for you, yeah. All right, so what was that? So not it's not a super high success oh, uh, rate over Vive. That's I, all right. Historically, yeah, I'm not very successful with it either, so I'm yeah. not surprised. Are it, you surprised? No, no. If it, I'm not surprised, you shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I'm not. Mine were, um, I actually did, well, okay, we'll go through them. Dragon Warrior was my first one. Of course, I did play that. Ace Combat 4 was my next one. I did play that. GoldenEye was my next one. I did not do GoldenEye. Xenosaga was my number two. I did not play that one. And my number one (laughs) was DOA Extreme Beach Volleyball, which I definitely played. (laughs) Um, so I was three for, uh, three for five. Jay didn't do quite as good as me, but that's okay. It's not, it's not a contest except for the fact that I won. Yeah, no, absolutely. So this year, what are the games that you're, that you're going to try to play in 2021? Jay, let's start with, let's start with you. What's your number five game that you are going to try to play in 2021? Um, I don't have a specific game, so I want, I want to talk about series specifically. So, I have a couple of these in here where I want to play one of many different uh, within a series. So the first one is I want to play a another roller coaster tycoon game. Oh, last I think it was last year that I played the first or second one, and I really enjoyed it. It's it's a very casual thing that I can do while watching like a stream or a show and just kind of keep it up in the background. I like some of the strategy elements. I'm curious to see what the mechanics were were like as they as they went further into the series. Obviously, still keeping into consideration you know that it, it would be a classic game. So. Um, I think that's going to happen probably pretty quick here just because, I don't know, I'm getting that itch again. Cool. That's a good one. Uh, my number five is, uh, I'm going to do this. I'm, I didn't even realize that this was on my list from last time when I put it on here this time. I'm going to give it another shot and try for GoldenEye for N64. Oh. Uh, number f- uh, number four for you? 
Number four is I've wanted to play through the Half-Life series again. Um, it's it's been a while for me since I've played either of them. I, I've touched the I touched the first one a little bit. I can't even think how long ago it was now. So I, I've wanted to for a while just to just sit and play through it, uh, especially given that one one of the, the last times I tried to play Half-Life uh, fully, I had so many issues trying to get the game to run and just trying to actually keep my file intact. So I know obviously buying it through Steam or or GOG uh, will obviously resolve that. So um at some point i want to try to either play the first or second one of half-life okay um number four or yeah those four yeah four yeah number four i was like me, no that was three i'm like no that was four yeah four for me is Star Fox 64 oh i almost put this on my list too that's funny oh that's cool i have played very i've only played two nintendo 64 games for the podcast ever so i'm doubling up and putting goldeneye and Star Fox 64 in here because Really need to do more of those. Um, Star Fox 64, I've mentioned, I, I used to be obsessed with. There was a summer where this was all I played. And I haven't played it in a, in a very long time. I remember kind of liking Super Nin- the, the original Star Fox more. But I still but I played Star Fox 64 a lot more. And uh, I, I remember it being a super solid game. So I'd like to revisit that. I consider myself a, not a huge Star Fox fan, but, but definitely a Star Fox fan. So uh, I want to go back to this one and see, see how it holds up. Cool. Um, similar to the, the the fifth one on my list, I want to play another game from the Onimusha series. And I was looking today; they actually have some some uh, sort of abnormal type Onimusha games. They have an Onimusha Tactics game that I was looking at a little bit as well. So I want to try and play another the game from the series and hope they'll have a, oh, a, a more positive game, really. experience. What was that? Is it a tactics game? Yeah, it's literally called Onimusha Tactics. I was looking at it <laughs> briefly today, so I I don't know if that's the one I'm going to play, but I definitely want to hop into another Onimusha game. Is it on a uh... PS2? Yeah, I think it's P- PS2. Let me see. Huh. Uh, PS2? Yeah, PS2? No, maybe this is PS3. Hold on a second. Sorry. Came out in 2003, so I think PS2, right? PlayStation 2. 2000- yep, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, that should be... I didn't know that game. That should. That sounds like it should be cool. Yeah, let's give it a shot, right? Yeah. All right, my number three. So as you know, one of my very favorite game franchises is Metal Gear Solid. But I've never played the either of the original Metal Gear games on NES. So I would like to pl- finally, I think it's time, I need to finally do it, play Metal Gear for, for Nintendo. Nope. Are you looking forward to that? Or are you just kind of like, eh, I just want to get it done? I'm kind of like, eh, because the game looks... You know, like it was neat for the time. It did some different stuff. It wasn't just you killing bad guys. But at the same time, from what I've seen, it doesn't look super duper fun. Um, but maybe it is. I've been very surprised by stuff before. I, I'm I'm going to give it a shot one way or the other. And, and I, I feel like I owe it to the Metal Gear franchise for me to finally play the original Absolutely. one anyway. Since I'm a big fan of it overall. But but I just I'm not super excited about it. We'll see though. Cool. All right, number two. Um, next one for me is is I have, I watched somebody play through one of the Mystical Ninja games and has been I played one for the podcast. I can't remember. If, I think I played the N64 one. I think for the podcast because I played the N64 and Super Nintendo ones. So I want to play another game from this series. This I I was reading about 
uh, a number of the games within the, the Mystical Ninja series. And some of them are apparently really good. Other ones, not so much. So I'm going to try and, and look for one of the ones that I haven't played very much that is considered to be really good. Oh, the Super, Nintendo, the Super Nintendo one's famous. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so maybe that's one very do. well known, very expensive if you're buying the actual cartridge. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I I played this at my, I remember my one of my friends used to rent this a lot and I would play it at his house. And it was so much fun multiplayer. Uh, but I think even not multiplayer, it's it's really good. So yes, definitely. Oh man, I want to play this now. <laughs> Legend of the Mystical Ninja. It is the sixty four one a lot. Uh, growing up, you played the N sixty. I don't know. I I, I yeah. see it. I pulled it up and I see it now. I've I don't know anything about the N sixty four one. I don't know if it's considered good or not. Uh, just, I enjoyed the hell out of it. You liked it a lot. Yeah, I did. You, I, I would, I would really love to hear your thoughts on the Super Nintendo one. You play whichever okay. one you want, but that that would be fun to hear. Okay, uh, my number two, ah, one of the ones that I mentioned as a possibility for our game of the quarter, Blade Runner. As I said, this is a point-and-click adventure game for PC. It's supposed to be. I've heard so many good things about it. It's supposed to be a great game. For a long time, it was unavailable. Uh until GOG released it about, uh, I think a little more than a year ago and I bought it pretty much right away, but I just haven't gotten around to playing it yet. And, uh, again, it kind of like metal gear. Like, I just feel like it's finally time for, for me to do it. It's supposed to be so good. I'm such a fan of the genre. I'm a, I'm a pretty big blade runner fan specifically as well. And, uh, I don't, I don't know what's taken me so long. I just haven't been I, I guess I just hadn't really felt in the mood for a point and click adventure game so much, mm -hmm. but it, it's time for me to, to finally give it a shot. Dope. All right. What's your number one new year's Eve resolution, new year's resolution. My, my number one actually uh, is really courtesy of Alex. As I kind of alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, talking about some of the randomizers that um, he's been talking about in a number of his videos. I want to, I, I've wanted to for a while to try some of these randomizers and I've done a little bit of it with Pokemon and a few other specific games, but I really want to try and get into some of the ones maybe like uh, Link to the Past. Something to that extent, I think it'd be very fun to go through and actually play the randomizers, especially, you know, I've, I've played Link to the Past a few times, you know, obviously beaten a few times. And I, I, for my perspective, it would be a pretty rough learning curve, but it seems really exciting and interesting. Uh, I'm more than likely if 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 and when I do end up playing some sort of randomizer, it more than likely will be uh, linked or excuse me, linked to the past, unless I can think of something that would be more exciting for me. Uh, I may do maybe one of the N64 Zelda games, but I'm not 100% sure. I just <laughs> it seems really fun to me to just play through these games at a completely different. You have to be very adaptive to what right, happens. Right, so I don't know. Right. It, it seems very exciting to me. Awesome. Okay, cool. My number one is a game that you played a long time ago on the podcast. And I remember you and Blake both talking. Yeah, I'm not even sure if you played it. I just remember you and Blake talking about it. I think you might have played it. But one way or the other, y'all were talking about it. And it sounded really interesting and really cool and fun and different. And it's been on my list for so long Ever since y'all started talking about it, I was like, I got to play this. And I've just not gotten around to it. It's it's, it's finally time. I'm, I need to finally play this damn game. It's been on my list long enough. Bushido Blade. Oh, okay. 
Did you play it for the podcast? Do you remember? I, I think you did. Let's see, I don't know. It's been a, it's been a while since I played it for damn sure because I remember I had a demo disc of this game as a kid, <laughs> and then because it came with Final Fantasy VII actually, if I'm not mistaken, it was all it was on the same disc as Final Fantasy VII. The demo for no, this... nothing's coming up for our, our podcast for it. It has been a long time since I played that game. Hmm, okay, maybe y'all just just talked about it in passing then, but I remember hearing y'all kind of discuss like how it works, and I was just like that sounds so cool. And it's been on my list ever since, and I've just not gotten to it. So it's it's time. I finally do it. All right. So we got those down. Next top five. Why don't we do... There was one we were going to do a few episodes back, and it kind of got pushed out of the way um, with Christmas and all. It was games that are good, but not because of the gameplay. Do you want to re... Do you want to do like go back to that one? What was the um what was the thought around it? Like what was the motivation for that one? It was something that Gaming J brought up, but I don't okay. remember what specifically. But he but I, I think I remember it at least came up in, in our conversation with him. But we were talking about games that like it was like something some one of us said something to the effect of the game itself is not super fun, but kind of the graphics and music and everything else was so good that it that it made it fun to play anyways even though the gameplay was not the main kind of draw drawing factor there what was the if you had, if you had a solid example or, or something about i'm just trying to think what approach i would take with this one a solid example i would say is turtles in time it's just a very basic beat em up but the music is so good. The graphics are so good. Everything's colorful. The backgrounds are awesome. The levels are neat. Even though it's, you know, pretty basic gameplay in a genre that I don't really even care for anymore, I, I still have a great time playing this game because of all the gotcha. surrounding elements. Do you think you can, gotcha. do you think this one's going to be too hard? It, it'll be challenging, but I'm up for it. I mean, worst case scenario, I'll come up with three good ones. That's usually what I do if I have any, any challenges <laughs> as I just revert to getting three of them. Okay. Then we'll do top five games that are good, but not because of the gameplay. Cool. All right. Emails. We got one of them. Is it who I think it is? It's who. It's exactly who you think it is. Oh, yeah. We can usually count on Chase the Night Cleaner. Starting off the year strong. Exactly. Thank you, Chase. Here we go. He says, first email of the new year. Hello, gentlemen. Chase the Night Cleaner here with an email full of waning holiday cheer. Uh, so I got to thinking the other day about GameFacts.com. It used oh, to be... <laughs> I remember those days. You, you, I assume, did you use GameFacts, Jay? Yeah, of course. I, I used to print them out. Oh, did you really? Did you ever yeah. do the forums? Uh, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't post anything. I just read them for certain things. I, I posted tons of shit on the Warcraft 3 forum there. Funny. And uh, I think I did quite a bit for... Grand Theft, uh, not Grand Theft, Grand Theft Auto, and Starcraft. There were a couple others that I uh, that I used to spend a lot of time on. Do you remember the? I used to love the polls that they had every day. No, I, I don't remember this. They used to have polls, just random stuff like which which video game character is cooler, or you know this and that. And also, 
you would like your your um you you had a ranking on the site and the way you ranked up was like just by posting if you posted anything one day then it would kind of like give you it would raise your ranking or not raise it but add points to your ranking and eventually you would kind of rank up and it would give you a different title for the site i used to like that was so important to me at the time i don't know why but i would always make sure that i posted at least one thing a day so i didn't lose any so I didn't miss out on any like ranking points <laughs> on the forums. That's but uh, anyway, Chase says, GameFAQs, it used to be my primary source for a how-to when it came to some tougher games out there. Or if I was looking for secrets, I might have missed while playing one of the many JRPGs that had come and gone in my life. Examples would be using walkthroughs to find all 108 stars in a Swicketing game, or learning about which jobs needed to be leveled, and how high if I wanted to unlock everything in Final Fantasy Tactics. I used GameFAQs walkthroughs for my Pokemon games as well. Then YouTube really took off and every games media site started doing their own walkthroughs to increase traffic. Yep. And with that, I slowly and without even noticing, I just stopped going there. It's weird to think about how things age on the internet. There is a lot, and I mean a shit ton, of really good content on that site, and it's still just sitting there, but it seems that audio-visual aids are worth more than a well-written document. I think even game developers figure this out, which is why you see so much less in terms of inbox game manuals and the tutorials get built into the game, and now there is space in games for the backstory to get explained instead of giving you a story in a booklet and letting your brain connect the dots with the 8-bit sprites on the screen. I mean, life gets busy, especially with a young kid in the house, and I find I have so much less time to read a thing and figure it out, but somehow I manage to consume hours of tutorials and podcasts because it's hands off and often eyes off which brings me to my question of the day is there a podcast youtube or twitch channel you find yourself watching regularly and if yes what draws you to them some ground rules for your response your answer has to be creators other than those folks who you already have had on the show oh that's no fun (laughs) um yeah. Was there any stipulation other than create content creators? Like, does it have to be gaming related? Did he he didn't say so. No. So uh, the the number one YouTube channel that I watch beyond beyond the one that I've already circle jerked a bit tonight is uh, Dead Meat. I I'm really into horror movies. I uh, have been for the last oh, like, too, yeah. four or five years now. And there's a really good YouTube channel that I watch religiously. Um, every time they release a new video, that it does he does what are called kill counts, where he basically goes through and does a synopsis review of. Horror movies talks through the kills and then gives it an overall, not a rating, but he just kind of talks about the overall <laughs> uh, positive or negative implications of the movie. And it's just an incredible channel. And I really like horror, especially old horror, just to go back and look at, you know, the different types of effects that they use, where, whether it was, especially when they were using a lot of practical stuff, like how what the approach was and how they made it happen. And also just seeing really old, shitty horror movies. You know, there are some really bad ones. But that right now, it seems like horror movies are making a massive resurgence, too. So it's really nice to get some some good recommendations for the last couple of years. Because there's been a lot of horror movies that come out. And not all of them are good. So it, it's nice to have a, uh, you know, a perspective without having, actually having to spend two hours watching a horror movie. Right, right. Anything else come to mind? No, that's the primary one that I watch. Uh, actually, no, there's one other one. The Summoning Salt is another one that I watch a lot. Summoning Salt. Oh my is gosh, YouTube. that's he's they they uh, they had him on uh, Drunk Friend one time. He is that that guy's content is just incredible. I can sit there and watch the dumbest topic for hours just listening to him talk about it. He did one about uh, Super Mario Two recently, 
about the evolution of the speedrunning community for for Super Mario Brothers 2. Watch the entire thing. Loved every second of it. It was absolutely fascinating to watch people destroy Super Mario Brothers 2 and to see how the meta shifted, you know, over time as people got better and better at it. I, I love it. Like his his one for Super Punch or for Punch Out, excuse me, for the regular Nintendo, still one of my favorite YouTube videos. It's just such a great, like just a perfectly executed video. Really, like. that's awesome. Yeah. I I I, like I, I, I still haven't checked out his stuff. I, I I might just I might go watch something after we're done doing this. Um. Cause yeah, I, his interview was really good, and and everybody seems to have great things to say about him. I, some for some reason, I just haven't gotten around to ch- checking him out yet. Yeah, I'm trying to think. If there's anybody else? I think those are those are some of the two that I watch a lot right now. Like anytime there's a new kill count, I watch that. Usually, if there's a new summoning salt video, I watch that. <laughs> and to be honest, with with Alex and Jay as well, usually when they produce content, I'll watch those. <laughs> um, so. any podcasts? Uh, not right now. No, the only podcast that I've listened to recently was Hardcore History. I, I think I've talked about it before in the podcast. I, I like history. I, I I like to think that I love history. I, I mean, I do to an extent, but I just don't spend as much time as I should. And when I used to work out at the gym, I would listen to um, like historical podcasts. It's just something interesting to keep my brain busy. And I loved what, listening to this guy talk about. He, he just has such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to any any specific um, any specific event in history. He'll just go super far in for hours. Like we're talking like two or three hours, just a deep dive on a specific topic, looking at it from all directions. And at the end of it, all you feel is everybody was wrong and you feel awful. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's pretty good. Awesome. All right. I'll give my, I'll, I'll try not to take too long. I'll give kind of my, my recommendations on various uh, channels and podcasts. So for podcasts, besides the ones that, besides people who we've had on the show before, I listen to the Giant Beast cast. That's a good one. Um, I don't listen to the Bomb cast as much anymore. I, I I like I just to me the Beast cast is is a little bit more fun personally. Uh, Waypoint Radio is is also a, a, a video game based podcast. It's it's I I really like it a lot. Um, I will say that the uh, the the hosts on the show do get fairly political at times, and it doesn't bother me whatsoever but if you if you just are trying to escape you know and just listen to video games and you don't want to think about politics you might not like that one as much but um because they're definitely not afraid to get heavily into politics um that's that's not a knock against them that's just kind of that's just kind of a warning you that they they do have a lot of that and it doesn't bother me at all but if you want to avoid that just know it's there um what else i guess that's maybe it for podcasts that that we haven't you know, besides people that we've had on here for YouTube channels, I don't, and Twitch, I don't really, I, I well, okay. I say I don't watch a bunch. I watch a lot of them, but I don't watch them very often. So I'm subscribed to like 10 or 20 channels, but it's, I don't watch most of what a lot of people put out, you know, SNES drunks. I watch most of his videos. Gaming J, I will at least check out most of his or have him on I'm the I'm sorry, the you can't talk about people know, who have been on the podcast. I know, I'm sorry. But for the vast majority of them, I kind of pick them through, pick through. And if they put a video that looks specifically like something that I'm interested in, then yeah. I'll check out that one. But I will point out some of my, some of my favorites. Uh, no Clip is very good. They they're, That's a video game documentary uh, channel that a lot of y'all are probably familiar with. They do really good documentaries. They just did one with uh tim schaefer from double fine 
uh, Quill18, he's a, well, he's YouTube slash Twitch. He does, he plays a lot of sim games and strategy games and management games. He's basically how I learned to play Europa Universalis 4. He plays a lot of Crusader Kings and stuff like that. He's, he's, he's very, uh, and Jor Fortress as well. He, he tends to play a lot of the stuff that I like playing is that I like playing. So kind of just by the fact that my tastes align with his a lot, uh, he, he's, he's a really good content producer. He's got a ton of followers. Um, and outside of video game stuff, there are a few that I'll mention. Uh, some of them are like music related. So, uh, there are two, uh, that pedal show and pedal of the day are just, just based on talking about guitar pedals or demoing guitar pedals and stuff like that. And if you play guitar, pedals are like the most fun thing to, to watch and listen to and play around with. So everybody loves guitar pedals. So as someone who does play guitar, I, I just, I do spend a lot of time watching those channels. Uh, what was the other one I was going to say? Oh, oh, Thomas McRocklin on Twitch is great. He's a musician. He's a guitar player. He's kind of like a child prodigy guitar player. There's footage of him playing on TV when he was four or five years old or something like that, just completely shredding. And he actually played guitar for a very long time, grew up on it, and then he put it down for a long time and then came back to it really just several years ago. And he's still just as good as ever. And he has a... People like that. Yeah, I know. He, uh, he, he primarily, he, he's got a YouTube channel. His content is primarily, uh, on Twitch. That's, that's really where he, he's kind of based off of. And he's really good because first off, he's an amazing guitar player, but he's also got really, really good production on his stream. Um, and also he's, he's really good about interacting with his, with his listeners or, you know, with his audience a whole lot. He, he, he does a lot of like, just, just, you know, talking with people, uh, talking with the chat and stuff and doing contests for subscribers and things like that. He just, he's doing a contest right now, actually, which is really insane. He's, um, he's having like a shred contest. I, I think it's over on Instagram that he's doing it where, uh, you send in a 30 minute, uh, 30 minute, 30 seconds of you just pl- playing any solo that you came up with and whoever does the most badass solo, he's going to let them do a solo on his next album. So like that's Whoa. that's pretty killer, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's 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 a really good content producer. If you like that kind of stuff, um, I don't know. I guess that's that's kind of it. Those are kind of the main ones for me. I thought about two more as well. So another another history related one, uh, oversimplified. The, this guy does a great job. He animates. He basically picks a a relevant uh, topic in history. The most recent one he did was on prohibition. And he he actually animates an entire visual to go through sort of his synopsis of the event. And just the overall quality of the humor is great. And it's extremely informative. He did one. My favorite one that he's done was about Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. And it was it's like two parts, probably a total of like 45 or 50 minutes. And it's just an incredibly detailed uh, perspective of it. I I really appreciate that. He he releases a video like every three to four months because it just takes that much time to you know, pick a topic, write the story, then do the visuals for it. So oh, wow. I get that. It's just, it's so sad sometimes when he hasn't created a video for a while. Uh, and then Mark Rober, which I'm sure a lot of people know. Mark Rober used to work at NASA. And now he makes YouTube content where he makes like the glitter bomb Amazon package, which I'm sure everybody's seen. 
he is my favorite video he's done realistically is one of the most recent ones he did where he basically was bored at home during covid and he started he's noticed that there were these squirrels in his backyard so he built an obstacle course to see how far they would go to actually get some sort of reward <laughs> and if you haven't watched the video it's 30 minutes of just absolute heaven it's hilarious Holy and shit. just the overall design like the 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 ability the agility of these squirrels is incredible this is what's the guy's name Mark Rober, M-A-R-K-R-O-B is in Bravo, E-R. So if Just I write Mark Rober, like squirrel maze. No, I'll... yeah, he, and he's, he's super famous. Yeah, he okay. um, he now uh, actually teaches courses, like online courses for uh, for physics, I think primarily is is the, the primary topic. But yeah, he's just does a really good, good, good quality content. That's awesome. Okay, cool. I, I might have to check him out too. We need more good YouTubers. I will, I will tell you that much because, like, I, I, so I hate YouTube. I hate YouTube's engine because when I go on here and it's like explore, like what I want to see, it's like the first thing that comes up for me is like Logan Paul, and I'm like, uh, I, I, I've never done anything. Like, <laughs> I've never done anything that would make anyone think why that I want to watch that kind of content. Yeah, why are you giving me this? Um, there is a, a, a another problem I have with YouTube is if I go to my subscriptions and I'm like, all right, show me the new stuff from the people I'm subscribed to. Oh yeah, it leaves a lot of stuff out. Oh, I haven't noticed that. I I'm pretty sure it does at least. I I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, and also the trending section is absolute garbage. It is almost always just a bunch of stupid music videos and like really simplistic whatever the the new meta trend to get clicks is. Either if it's dumb clickbait titles or money giveaways or whatever it is. I, I the trending section of YouTube is one of the most atrocious things I've ever seen. It gives you it's just absolute garbage. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. It's just like whatever people are doing to gimmick views. Like remember when they did like the feed the homeless gimmick, which every YouTuber did for five seconds and then stopped caring. Like any of that kind of stuff. I, I just find it on trending and I'm just like, no, no, thank you. Hmm, yeah. Nothing. I'm I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Uh Jay, game facts. So it sounds like Chase doesn't really use GameFAQs anymore. What, how do you, are you, uh, do you ever use GameFAQs anymore? And occasionally. I don't go there and look for things, but if I Google something for a specific game and GameFAQs comes up, sure, I'll click on it. Like, I'm not like sworn to it by any means. I'll, I'll just go wherever the fastest way for me to get my answer is. Would you rather, if you're, so if you're playing, uh, say an RPG and you, and you need help figuring out what to do next. Would you rather, would you go to a video or to game facts or something similar? Um, it depends what the topic is. If it's something I feel like can be answered through something like game facts, absolutely. But if it's something where I'm like, eh, I'm probably going to see somebody do this specific part, then I will I just go directly to YouTube. I'd probably go to YouTube more than, than not YouTube. Really? You'd, okay. That's, that's yeah. to me, it's, it's just the opposite. I would rather skim through text and find like exactly... Oh, okay, here's the part I'm at. What does it say? Rather than, okay, here's a video. Let me try to find where it probably is going to be in the video. Like, it seems like it would take, to me, it seems harder to find a certain point of a game in a video than it is on a on a document. It depends what it is. I mean, I don't have preference. Whatever I think is going to be faster is exactly what I'm going to do, so. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah to me, well, I, I agree. To me, a, fa uh, a, walk, a written walkthrough is basically always faster that, that's how mm -hmm. i see it at least unless you're like as you say there are some games where it's like i actually need to see visually how this works because I'm, I'm it's not very sure. clear some yeah in that case I'll, I'll watch a video um but for me i'm always 
99% of the time it's it's text that I'm looking for. And I and I will say I actually do prefer game facts out of most places um cuz it's it's kind of primitive cuz you know everything is just pure yeah. text form. Uh, there is some HT, there I mean I guess a lot of it is in HTML now, but a lot of it is still just in the old original style, which is to me so much faster and easier to load and look through than it is on more HTML-ified walkthroughs. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, I do. It's just like all I'm dealing with is text. No, I don't have to click, you know, page over. I don't have to click to go to the next page six times to get to the right spot. I'm just going to scroll through this gigantic document and, and see if I can find it. I don't know. That I, I do prefer GameFAQs in pretty much any other place in most cases if, if they have a good one. Uh, but I'm like you, I Google it and see what comes up. And usually I'll look mm-hmm. for game facts. And if it's not on the first page, then I'll, then I'll find something else. Okay. Chase says, and that's it for me today. Gentlemen, thanks as always for this wonderful section of your show. And for all that you do cheers and talk again soon. Ch- uh, chase the night cleaner, AKA I'm an old man who remembers life before the internet, but fuck if it doesn't seem like a long time ago. We're, we're, it definitely I, does feel like a long time. We're right there with you, Chase. Chase, thank you so much. For writing yeah. in. Uh, I hope you had a good new year and everything. Uh, but 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 thank you so much for the email, as always. We, we, we really, really greatly appreciate it. Jay, current gaming subcast, you got anything? Uh, not for current gaming subcast, but I uh, just want to mention, so Lisa and I just started playing Gloomhaven again. And <laughs> uh, yeah, Fro- Frosthaven, the expansion of Gloomhaven is due in March, uh, probably sometime in March. And they actually just released some of the screenshots from the actual game or excuse me from some of the uh the story manuals oh, i was looking at that right before we started the podcast so very excited uh i'm, I'm legitimately going to take time off from work and and probably degenerate into a puddle for a couple days just playing non-stop oh, wow, so you are for um wow. playing gloomhaven is just always such a fun such a fun feat i did buy it on steam as well and it <laughs> is fun it is uh it is nice you can clear through content a lot faster however just having the visual elements the cards in your hand just has something special to it so um the reason I brought this up, so I told you guys I took time off, went to a cabin uh, last week, and my brother and I played this new game. It's not a new game, I'm sorry. It's actually older. It's like eight years old, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a little bit more, called Mage Knight. And, and Gloomhaven, for those who have played it, know it is, a, I would say, a relatively complex game. The setup, the just the overall mechanics of the game are pretty in-depth, and it's very easy to make mistakes and to, to do it mistakenly. So, um, But I feel like Gloomhaven has a pretty good balance. You know, if, if you have people who are dedicated to doing certain things within the game, you know, the, the game generally runs pretty smooth and you're, you, you will have limited errors in terms of cheating either positive or negative mage Knight, Uh, this game is incredible. We probably spent more than 12 hours learning how to play this game learning? and we still were making mistakes. It is incredibly <laughs> complex. I, I will say it's very fun and there's a lot of elements that I enjoyed about it. However, just trying to keep up with the rules, they, they suggest that, if it so like let's say you go and i'm next during my turn you're supposed to watch me and then i'm supposed to watch the next person to make sure that none of us are cheating or that that person is <laughs> cheating because it's it, it's not that people will do it intentionally it's just that there are so such a a complex set of rules for it in very niche situations that sort of happen oh, there's a lot of them so it's trying to keep up with all that and the, there's two fat booklets to go with it that you have to try and keep up with everything on and it, it, there's just a lot to it. I will Damn. say it's very fun and it's engaging. Um, we played we played two sessions of, of nearly 12 hours uh, over the course of a few days that we were up there. 
And I had a blast. Like, it was very fun. I was very exhausted afterwards because you're just, like, mentally drained. Um, but my brother and I were kind of talking about this, and, and this is something I've been I've been thinking about a lot, is there's a, there's a certain level with it, and this is a, a very long-winded way for me to get here, by the way, but um, there's a certain level of complexity to board games that is the right balance, uh, from my perspective. And I, I think everybody has their own sort of meter for it. However, I, I think there is a, a right approach where it's it's very interesting. The mechanics are there to help limit some of the RNG that's involved and to make it just a very engaging type game. I think there's a certain limit where you hit where you're like, this is just, this needs some form of quality of life type uh, impact in order to make it more manageable because either <laughs> yeah. the setup or the put away or just the <laughs> overall game itself. And also this is not a game put where away. your character transfers over. So you invest, you know, eight to 12 hours in a single level and that character is gone after you're done. Oh so my gosh. it is, it, there's a lot to, and, it, and it's, it's, you're competing against one another while working together because if you just straight fuck each other over you will straight up just lose and, and you won't be able to actually uh do well in the game there's there's very challenging pve that ultimately will set you ahead for the overall competition um damn yeah it was, it was a really fun game but it made, it made me realize that a lot in depth there's just there is a certain level where if you push it beyond that it makes it very hard to sit down digest and to do in a single setting sitting excuse me sounds pretty intense yeah, it's very fun. Ten out of ten would do again. Um, I've been playing more. I've been playing Hades as I, as I discussed mm. earlier. Great game. I mean, it absolutely lives up to the hype in every way. I've been playing more Doom Eternal. Uh, I think I'm almost finished with it. Still, really, really enjoying it. And those are, I think, the only uh, newer games that i've been playing i have I, I, i've been playing one board game as well which with which is which is uh i think i don't think it was on the podcast that we, i think this was right before the podcast that i was talking to you this about uh wingspan mm. it's a uh game based on birds like real life birds and there are these cards with Dozens and dozens, I think maybe even hundreds of different birds uh, on the cards. And the whole game is based on kind of getting birds in these different environments on your board and use and, and managing uh, the eggs they lay and managing food to get more birds. And some birds kind of like give you abilities to or like they, they do things to give you more points and this and that. And it's, it's ultimately it's who has the most points at the end of the games, but it's based on your bird cards and the birds abilities and uh, how many eggs you have and, and this kind of stuff. But like, it's really fun. Like it sounds kind of basic and simple, but it's a really fun game. It's, it's actually a little bit more and like, I'm not going to get into the mechanics, but it's a, it's a, quite a bit more involved than, uh, that I'm kind of, I think that I'm explaining right now. And also <laughs> the art on the cards is so great. Just looking at even just regular old birds on the cards. They, they, they are, they look fantastic. They're just, I really, really could just sit there and just look at the cards all day. Like he, I, it almost got to the point where I was like, "Oh man, birds are really interesting. Maybe, I, maybe I want to learn more about birds." And then I was like, "No, no, 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 no! Stop, stop, stop! <laughs> you don't need to learn more about anything right now. You don't need another. You don't need to become a fucking bird watcher right now, you idiot. You've got too much stuff. Uh, you already have way too many hobbies, Robert. I know. So, but but wingspan is uh is is really good. And so yeah, wingspan Hades and Doom Eternal is it for me. I will I mark my word I will play Hades at some point this year. Uh yeah, it, yeah, it's it's great. 
Well, um, I think that wraps it up for episode number 155 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Send us your emails, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Our next top five uh, is games that are good, but not because of the gameplay. You can tell us what games in that category you like, or you can just tell us about whatever the hell you want to tell us about. You can follow us at Twitter, at Class Gamescast. I'm at King Octavius. Leave us amazing reviews on iTunes. Is there anything else? Oh, and make sure, uh, if you want to, take part in our next game of the quarter and send in your thoughts. The game we've decided on is The Secret of Monkey Island, the the yes. classic point-and-click adventure game. And, uh, oh, yeah, we're part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. Go check out some of their other uh, podcasts. There, there's a lot of good ones on there. Tell your friends about us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Or don't. It's your choice. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you in uh, probably about three weeks. Bye.